0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Miller Flamethrowers. When the old snub nose ain't good enough for you anymore, choose Miller Flamethrowers. <laughs> Under the altar where the steamboats into your and what I Come at the grim like making a cent the smell of death is on the And night when the cold wind blows, no one cares, Hello, my name is Chris.
1: My name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. It's prom week on Pod Cemetery with 1986's Night of the Creeps and 2017's Tragedy Girls. But before we get to our first movie, Kelsey, how do we start the show?
1: Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition.
0: Give me what you got.
1: You ready for a really incredibly almost impossible question?
0: You ask me like that, and I think you're being sarcastic.
1: <laughs> what liquid in 2002's signs turns out to be instrumental in defeating the alien invaders?
0: Water? Specifically tap water?
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> It's H2O. Shut
0: up. Is that what it actually says? No. Okay. <laughs> All right, Kelsey. I'll give you an easy one, too. Okay. What 1982 film was credited to director Toby Hooper and producer Steven Spielberg?
1: Poltergeist.
0: That is correct. Good job. The next one, also involving Steven Spielberg, not as easy. All right, Kelsey, our first movie up is Night of the Creeps from 1986, starring Jason Lively, Tom Atkins, who we'll talk about in a bit, and Steve Marshall, written and directed by Fred Decker, who we will also be talking about in a little bit. What is Night of the Creeps about?
1: Sadly, it's not an actual prom.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're going to a formal dance.
1: It's a formal dance at college. These two nerdy guys... ...are at a party and one of them falls in love... ...head over heels with a fur girl... ...and so... ...he decides that he has to join... ...the fraternity that her boyfriend belongs to... ...so that she'll be interested in him. Yeah. That leads to them doing an initiation prank... ...which then leads to... ...some aliens being... ...released onto the people... ...of their town and then... ...our main guy and his... ...pseudo girlfriend... ...need to go after the aliens...
0: That is correct. (laughs) I guess I I can't argue with any of that. (laughs) Should people watch Night of the Creeps, Kelsey?
1: Yes. Yes. 100% yes. This movie was amazing. Yeah,
0: I can't believe I hadn't seen it yet.
1: I know, me neither.
0: I really enjoyed it. It is a horror comedy. Mm -hmm. So be prepared, it's not totally serious, it's kind of ridiculous.
1: It's totally ridiculous. Yeah,
0: and it's not like the most incredible thing you've ever seen, but it was a lot of fun.
1: It's so much fun. It's just, it's you know how much we love 80s, and this is just so 80s.
0: Yeah, last week we did a 1986 movie again, and the week before that it was 1985. Yeah, we're, we're stuck in the 80s right now. I
1: love the 80s. <laughs> and this is 80s all over the place.
0: It's like we're VH1 or something.
1: <laughs> and it's just, it's it's really funny, and I really liked it.
0: Good. All right. So you can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 1986's Night of the Creep. The Night of the Formal is finally here. Oh, I got good news and bad news, girl. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. Night of the Creeps. They are a new breed of terror. They get in through your mouth, and you walk around while they incubate. Night of the Creeps. If you scream, you're dead. All right, Kelsey. You know what to do. Get us started. What happens at the beginning of Night of the Creeps?
1: It starts out with these ridiculous aliens. Yes. Running after another alien who...
0: Is carrying a container.
1: Of an experiment and he wants to release it onto our planet Or he Earth. wants
0: to get it off of the ship or what. However.
1: But they're yeah. like, no, it can't be, it can't get off the ship. Yes. And we'll never know why that alien decided to do that.
0: I'm okay with that. <laughs> is, uh, it, is it terrorism? Is it a dissenter? Is he trying to get rid of it so they can't use it? We don't know.
1: We will never know. No.
0: And And so he jettisons this canister outside of the ship.
1: And this happens in 1959. Yep. And we get some great 50s music throughout this whole sequence. Uh It starts with Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. It's a great song.
0: And there are these uh, two lovers.
1: Yes. This college girl is going to go out with this boy. And when they do... They're out at the point, you know, making out, Mm -hmm. and they get stopped by a
0: cop. A cop, a young cop who was also dating this girl, but she decided to like
1: she she broke up with him. They tell you that throughout it, but like, yeah, he she broke up with him because it was like he's just a cop. He's never going to get out of this town. He's never Uh going to do anything big with his life. So why should I waste my time? Uh, Who? Ray? They, They broke up. Oh, come on, Muffy. The guy's a cop. He has no future. I mean, wake up and smell the coffee, Muffy. What? But Pam told me. Who else? Sure, she's right here next to me. We are roommates. You know. Um, But he stops them from making out and he's like, oh, he's so sad. Yeah, he's obviously hurt. So they are sitting there at the point and.
0: Well, they go to. To. Drive, and don't they stop so he can pee or something like that?
1: No, they see a thing shooting through the sky.
0: Oh, yeah, they, they see, like, a shooting star, yeah.
1: And he's – and the dude's like, I got to find out what that is. So they drive after it, and they pull over on the side of the road where he thinks it's fallen, and it has. And he goes off, and then she's sitting in there, and – um. <laughs>
0: What? I love this segment. She's listening to the radio, and then this news flash comes on about this axe-wielding maniac who has broken out and he's in the vicinity of this college, and she turns on her headlights of the car and it shines directly on a sign that says this college. Yes.
1: <laughs> and she's like, Oh god. <laughs> And, yes, we see that the killer is right behind her.
0: Yes. Meanwhile, the guy goes to look for this shooting star and he finds the canister.
1: And when he goes, when he first stops there, she says, this place gives me the
0: creeps. I'm telling you, it went down right over there. Oh, no, Johnny! this place gives me the creeps. But, um, yeah.
1: And... She's desperately trying to get him to come back because she's hearing all about this guy who's now killed four orderlies. And she's trying to get him to come back. She's like, I'll even let you fondle my breasts. <laughs>
0: um, Johnny, can we go back to the point now?
1: I'll, I'll even let you fondle my breasts. So he is looking into this hole that has been created. Yeah. And this thing pops out and goes straight into his mouth. We've seen a lot of things go shooting into people's mouths lately. Have you yeah. noticed that?
0: I mean, I guess, sure. With Evil Dead 2 and all of that, yeah. Huh?
1: There's been other things, yeah. too. I can't think of what they are, but yeah. There's some other com- couple of fun things, like we get to hear Put Your Head on My Shoulder, which is another song I really like. They talk about Plan 9 from Outer Space, which is fun. But unfortunately, Pam, that's her name, Pam, she dies. By the axe murderer. Cut to Pledge Night 1986. And this is going to be really hard, honey. You might want to take the, the the reins on this one because okay. I wrote down practically like every fucking line of the best friend.
0: Okay. Well, let's. let's because he is hilarious. Well, well, let's talk about a few things here to get us started. I want to talk about the names of the characters and I want to talk about the writer and director. Okay. Okay. So there are several characters that we're going to meet. Our main character is Chris Romero, named after George Romero. His buddy, JC Hooper. Who
1: Yes, named after Toby. Named after it.
0: Toby Hooper. And he- the JC stands for James Carpenter, after John Carpenter.
1: Oh, and he has so many.
0: He's like the evil lines. Ed of this episode. He
1: is, but he's even better than Evil Ed.
0: Yeah. He's okay. so
1: funny. I wrote down, like, so many of his lines.
0: And he's disabled in some way. Kind they of. barely kind of, talk about it.
1: Yeah, it really only comes up, like a, like, once or twice. For the
0: 80s, it was handled, like, incredibly elegantly, because it could have been a lot worse. Could have been a huge plot element, and it wasn't.
1: And we tried to look up and see if that actor really had something. There's, there's,
0: like, nothing about him online. So if you guys know anything, I'd like to know.
1: It was a plot point. It was used as a plot point for when he's in the bathroom. That's why he couldn't get away.
0: Yeah, but, like, barely. It, like, wasn't, like, a big deal or anything like that. Yeah. It's played by Steve Marshall as JC. Think and Chris of, is Jason Lively.
1: Think of the guy from Breaking Bad. But yes. But a lot less severe.
0: Yeah. And the girl that Chris has a crush on, Cynthia Cronenberg. David Cronenberg, obviously. And there are several police officers and other characters there's a detective cameron named after james cameron who did terminator and aliens there's a landis for john landis there's who did obviously american werewolf in london there's sergeant ramy after sam ramy and the janitor is named mr minor who's named after steve minor He's directed a lot of horror movies, like Friday the 13th Part 2. He directed H2O, also Warlock, if you've ever heard of Warlock from the 80s. I've
1: heard of it, but I've never seen it.
0: Okay, well, in any case, so there's a lot of nice little, again, not the only one, with tributes to famous uh, horror movie icons through the names of the characters. Tragedy Girls is going to do that as well. And the university is... Corman University, who is named after the producer slash director Roger Corman. But I also want to talk about Fred Decker. So Fred Decker used to live with, oh, I don't know, a guy named Shane Black. Now.
1: You say that like I should know.
0: You should. Okay. (laughs) He helped him with the script a little bit. The year afterwards, in 1987, these are just things that I've been, that I've been collecting because I was looking into it and it got deeper and deeper and deeper. Tom Atkins, who's in this, and we'll talk a little bit more about Tom Atkins, was in Lethal Weapon, which was Shane Black's first ever screenplay that was ever produced. So he wrote Lethal Weapon. Together, the team of Black and Decker, Waka Waka, wrote Monster Squad and Decker directed it. Decker is also a credited writer on the new movie, The Predator, which came out last year, along with Shane Black, who directed it. And Shane Black starred in the original Predator as the nerdy guy with the glasses. I can't remember his name. They have multiple writing credits together. Decker also oh. wrote the story for House, which we just reviewed recently. He wrote uh, it? He wrote the, the story that the script was based on. Talking about Night of the Creeps, apparently he wrote it in one week. He says, quote, it's a 1950s sorority movie. I wanted to shoot it in black and white, have lots of Sam Cooke jazz playing. I took every B-movie cliche you've ever seen. Nerds, wisecracking detectives, corny bit characters, and slimy monsters. I jammed them together and called it Night of the Creeps. And because Night of the Creeps was so successful, they were able to make Monster Squad, ultimately.
1: I can't believe... That this is so successful that they were able to do another Well, movie. it didn't have
0: a huge release, but it was successful in terms of budget versus returns.
1: I just can't believe I've never heard of it.
0: Right. He says, I had nothing to lose with Night of the Creeps, so I said, this script will only be for sale under the condition that I'm attached as director. And Tristar ended up taking him up on that offer, because they're like, whatever, it's a low budget, limited release movie, sure, you can direct it. So that's just a little bit of story of uh, a little bit of background on Fred Decker, who wrote this screenplay with a little help from Shane Black and directed it. So that's all I wanted to say getting us started going into the story. So Night of the Creeps, it's 27 years later, 1986. Is
1: Pennywise going to pop out? (laughs)
0: It's Pledge Week, and so, you know, everyone's out, all the fraternities and sororities are out, getting new pledges and subjecting them to torturous schemes. This is where Chris sees Cynthia, Cynthia Cronenberg, and he is immediately like, love at first sight, I must be with this girl, but... He's a nerd, he's a little bit of a goober, he has no self confidence, and JC, his buddy, is like, dude, if you're ever gonna fall madly in love with her and be with her for the rest of your life, you're probably gonna have to talk to her.
1: (laughs) Shit, she's going in the beta house. Oh, that bitch. I hate the betas. Look, do you wanna meet her or what? Marry her. I hate to break this to you, bud. It's going to be quite a blow, but you're going to have to meet her first. I know it's
0: a hassle, but uh, hey, I don't make up the rules, pal. But they decide they're going to join a fraternity to get her attention. Like,
1: because she's yeah. dating the head of that fraternity. Did he
0: know that yet? Or was it just J.C. saying something about how... J.C.
1: lied and told him that she was single. Right. He had no idea that she was dating anybody in the frat, right. but she's at a frat party, and she was talking to one of the brothers. Yeah. So he's under the impression that the only way to impress her would be to join the Betas.
0: Yeah, and so he tells Chris that and doesn't tell him that she has a boyfriend. And it just so happens that they decide to join Beta Epsilon, which is the fraternity that's throwing this party, and the fraternity where Cynthia's boyfriend is the head. The
1: the reason that I the reason that he thinks that she's gonna be interested in someone that's in this fraternity, like I said, is because he, she's talking to a guy, and the way that CJ describes him is pretty golden. <laughs> the guy's a bozo, the missing link. He only has one eyebrow!
0: <laughs> she's with a guy. Yeah, but look at him, I mean the guy's a bozo he's the missing link Chris the
1: man has one
0: continuous eyebrow yeah well he's also got her
1: and when he goes up there to tell him like to get rid of him he's like hey there's a phone call in there and he's like whoa thanks dude excuse me well what's his name
0: uh Steve Steve what how's it going listen I think there was a telephone call for you inside whoa thanks dude Yeah, totally stereotypical, and I think, you know, that's the point.
1: And when he goes to talk to her, he's like, you know, my time is limited, much like Stephen's intellect.
0: (laughs) Cynthia, my time is limited, uh, much like the intellect of Steve. Yes, JC is kind of awesome.
1: Yeah, so... J.C. just wants his friend to go and talk to her, but he won't do that. He's like, we got to join. And so J.C.'s like, all right, fuck it. I'll do it because you're my best friend. Of course, you realize there's only one way this girl is ever going to take you seriously. Right. I
0: belong to a frat. Preferably this one. I was thinking more along the lines of talking to her. So the fraternity is like, fine, we'll take you on, but you got to do something for us. You're going to pull this prank for us. You're gonna go to the morgue at the University Medical Center and steal a cadaver. These are dead bodies that are selected to be worked on by medical students so they can get experience working with real bodies and you're gonna take it and you're gonna leave it on the front steps of our rival fraternity
1: Have you noticed that a lot of 80s horror movies have to do with
0: cadavers <laughs>
1: cadavers and like pranks that have to do with cadavers yeah
0: uh-huh <laughs> well this is intentionally cliched. <laughs> So they go to the University Medical Center, they sneak through, they break into the side room.
1: But he does say, This place gives me the creeps. Okay, they just have a sign. Oh, a sign, that's good. What do you want it to say? Corpses for use in wacky fraternity pranks? A oh, more or something. More, you're pretty clever. A little arrow or something? Come on. It's gotta be around here. Some What the hell are you doing? hell did you do i don't know come on you're a kid right this gives
0: me the creeps yes there it is again yeah uh and they find this body that's cryogenically frozen and jc's like you know like walt disney
1: and it's so great jc when he realizes what he's looking at he goes oh my god 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 is that taking the lord's name in vain oh my god
0: (laughs) Chris tells him, I think it's reasonable in the circumstance. So they they accidentally, in their panic, they accidentally open no, up the cryogenic No, not accidentally.
1: Chamber. They do it on purpose. Well, they
0: press a button. Oh, because they want to take they
1: it. They need right? a corpse. Yeah, uh-huh, that's right.
0: But they, I mean, they don't know that it's still alive is right. the thing. Because it's been cryogenically frozen. This is the dude from the beginning of the movie who who gets that thing going into his mouth. And he's still alive, and that's what really creeps them out. And they run away. And it ends up killing one of the medical students who is working there. That's David Pamer. He's been in a bunch of things. You know him. In the meantime, this corpse who kills this medical student winds up going to, in instead of the rival fraternity, winds up making its way to this sorority, sorority house. The sorority house where... Cynthia lives and scares a bunch of the women there. He knows to go there because that's the same place he went to pick up his girlfriend that night in 1959. It's the same sorority house. And its head explodes and all these slugs get out.
1: Just like in Slither.
0: Kind of, S- yeah. Slither uh-huh. most these are, certainly these are Slither saw this movie. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, in the meantime, we get to meet Detective Ray Cameron. Detective Ray Cameron is played by Tom Atkins, who we would know not only from the My Bloody Valentine remake from 2009, yeah. but also Maniac Cop. Yeah. <laughs> he is also in The Fog, Escape from New York, Creep Show. He's the main character in Halloween 3. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, Lethal Weapon. <laughs> According to him, this is his favorite movie that he's ever worked on.
1: It's an amazing movie. Yes. I can see why.
0: On the Blu-ray there's an interview with him and he says that this is his personal favorite that he's done. Aww. In another documentary he says that Fred Decker is one of the few directors that he would still love to work with. Aww. So Tom Atkins totally badass plays this psychologically tortured cop and this detective we find out later that that's because...
1: Well, he, ha- he has the dream, which basically tells us... Yes. ...that it's him.
0: That he's the cop whose ex-girlfriend was killed by that axe murderer that night. And not only was his ex-girlfriend murdered, but he was the one who showed up at the scene and killed this axe murderer.
1: Found him. We find out later that he
0: killed him. Yes.
1: Because everyone else thinks he got away.
0: Yes. That's a good point. That's a good point. And But also, more importantly, found the dead body of his of his beloved.
1: And I love, so he has this dream where we kind of learn who he is. And I love his dream sequence because each time they show a different shot, something's different. Cause it's it supposed to be a dream? Yeah. So then he wakes up to a phone call telling him about the dead body that's on the sorority house's steps.
0: Well, first he shows up to the medical center and investigates that. Then he shows up and, and there's this dead body with its head exploded at the sorority house.
1: And he's, like, putting cigarettes out at crime scenes. And- yeah,
0: and he has this, this catchphrase where whenever he answers a call, he says, Thrill me... <laughs> me. Which is kind of cute. So it's the next day, and...
1: When he's walking up to the sorority house, he stops and actually smells a rose.
0: Yes. Yes, he does.
1: <laughs> I liked that.
0: So this next day, Brad and the other fraternity guys confront Chris and JC... And they're like, what the fuck, guys? We told you to leave the corpse at this other fraternity. These guys we don't like. You left it on the porch of a sorority house? Better yet, my girlfriend's sorority house? You guys are fucked.
1: And the girls were freaking out. And he, like, actually cares about, like, the fact that, like, they fucked with these women.
0: Which yes. is weird,
1: because he's an asshole in every other respect.
0: Yeah, and they, like, they, they were like, hey, we didn't do it. We chickened out we got there we found the corpse and we freaked out and we ran we didn't do anything with that corpse and he's hassling him and he
1: doesn't believe him
0: yeah and cynthia comes to chris's defense
1: and cj says why don't you go practice goose stepping
0: <laughs> a lot of girls were seriously freaked out last night because of you wait a second okay uh listen brother uh Skeller. A, that
1: uh, whole stunt was your Nobel Prize-winning idea, and B, we didn't even pull it off. We chickened out, okay? So why don't you just get off our case and go practice goose-stepping or something? (laughs) Because the dude has bright white blonde hair Uh and is white and has blue eyes. And that's when Brad does something that you just can't forgive, in my opinion.
0: This is one of the few things, like we talked about, where they actually address the fact that JC is disabled.
1: He trips a disabled person.
0: So other than this moment here, which is plot specific and it identifies Brad as a villain, um, and JC is, he falls, but he's like, he's he doesn't, like, it doesn't, like, embarrass him or anything like that, he... he He's okay, uh. but it, it reflects to us that Brad is an asshole. Other than this, the scene in the bathroom that Kelsey was talking about where it shows us the struggles he has to go through, uh, especially in a hectic environment like this. Uh, Other than those two things, there's one joke that he himself cracks at the party, and it's just never otherwise mentioned. I thought that that was really, like, classy. Mm-hmm. They they handled this uh, as well, way, way better than you would expect for 1986. And Cynthia is like, fuck you then, this is over. Mm-hmm. Like, we are, no, get your hands off of me, get out of my face. Mm-hmm. And so now Brad is like, super pissed at them. <laughs> <laughs> they also get taken in by the cops to be questioned.
1: Because the janitor saw them running out. Yes screaming like banshees screaming
0: like banshees he loves that they were scream the idea that they were screaming like banshees screaming like
1: banshees
0: and they get brought in and they tell them the same thing they've been telling everyone yeah we were there yeah we hit this button but we booked it the janitor saw us don't forget screaming like banshees like we didn't move the body so they're free to go cuz they have like you know yeah they could bust them for breaking in or whatever, but they have bigger fish to fry right now.
1: The first thing that we see that's been affected by these things, aside from the walking corpse. So earlier in the film, they had like a a fake out where the girl thinks there's somebody at the window, but in fact it ends up being Gordon the cat. So then the next day, one of the sorority girls mentions, don't tell whatever that girl's name is about the cat. So it sounds like Gordon died. Mm-hmm. But then she goes to the window and there's Gordon the cat. But it's no longer Gordon yeah, the cat. It's a zombie
0: <laughs> version of Gordon the cat.
1: Yes. And at first I was super confused. I was like, why are there suddenly zombies? And you find out later... That what they do, the reason that corpses can exist and still, like, walk around and stuff once they're in them is because they nest in your brain. And
0: they lay their eggs in there and they control you while they're doing that. Kind it's, of. Kind of. They, they basically activate you, right? Yeah. And so it's not that they're trying specifically to do anything, which is why that corpse shambles over to the sorority house, because that's his last real memory, right? Like, it's not... Sinister or anything like that, but it is designed to protect the eggs in their head, mm-hmm. right? And so that's why the cat freaks out. That's why there will be these moments where the zombies seem, like, angry, but not aggressive. What's really the danger is their heads exploding and all these slugs coming out.
1: They like to go for dead people. I don't know why. I
0: guess because they're easier to get to or something?
1: <laughs> I guess.
0: Yeah, and so...
1: Less of a threat
0: Also the medical student who was killed by the first zombie uh, He sits up and attacks the janitor who screams like a banshee Screaming like
1: banshees
0: (laughs) Cynthia, having seen the cat thing, is like, these are zombies, right? So she saw the first zombie, she saw the cat thing She's like, these are zombies, promise you won't laugh, right? You know, that whole thing And they are, they don't believe her
1: yeah, she's like, I thought you would understand.
0: Yes. So JC kind of leaves them alone to to talk. But that's when they're attacked by the janitor, whose head explodes, and there are all these slugs that come out. Chris gets Cynthia back home where they run into the detective. And he's heard them talking about the whole situation and the zombies and all of that. The detective takes Chris back to his house. To talk to him about it. And this is where he tells the story of the night he found his ex-girlfriend killed by the axe-wielding maniac. So when he found the girlfriend, he hunted down this axe murderer and killed him and then buried the body at the sorority house. (laughs) And he did it without telling anybody that he did it. While he's there, he answers the phone and he says, Thrill Me.
1: Thrill Me.
0: He gets a call that says that the house mother has been killed by the axe-wielding maniac that nobody knows is dead.
1: Yeah, earlier in the film when he's talking to some people, he's like, hey, what's that supposed to be? It's supposed to be the den mother's house? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you don't get why he's so curious about this place. And then you find out that's where he buried yes. the guy. And yeah. that guy has come back and has now killed the dead mother.
0: Right. So they're trying to take this guy out. And he's not going down until Detective Cameron takes it upon himself. He's like, you know, I killed you before. I'm going to kill you again. And he shoots him in the head. And the head explodes. And more slugs come out. Not
1: and well, good. It's just tons and tons of slugs. Not good. But now they know what the problem is.
0: Yes, so there's going to be a dance. Chris is going to take Cynthia to the dance. Before he, he he does that, he finds a tape recorder.
1: Oh, yeah. We haven't said what happened. That
0: has a message from JC. So that night, while they were dealing with the axe-wielding maniac, and JC left them alone, he goes to the bathroom where he gets attacked by these slugs.
1: And it's really sad. Yeah. Because he's like your favorite character. hmm And you have to watch him crawl because he can't walk. And they're slithering around and I don't think at that point he really understands like what they're gonna do
0: But he records this message After this happens
1: Yeah and he explains you know one got in my mouth and now I think I'm dead I don't have a I don't have a heartbeat I don't have a pulse Yeah And I can walk Chris
0: There's one inside me Got in through my mouth I can feel it It's in my brain I have a pulse, or a heartbeat, I think I'm dead, I killed one, I, I lit a match to it, I think fire will kill them, I've gone to the furnace room, the basement, if I don't come back, heat will kill them, I walked Chris, all by myself, I walked,
1: I love you. Good luck with Cynthia. But what he discovered while he was in the bathroom. Because he lit matches. Which I don't quite understand. Like
0: why he would have done that?
1: I mean, like, if that's... If they're trying to say that that's, like, the only weapon he has, and, you know, I can't run away, obviously, so hopefully I can do that. that why wouldn't would make- you
0: just step on him, I guess?
1: Yeah, why yeah. wouldn't you step on him? Why wouldn't you use one of your crutches to, like, crush yeah. them? Uh-huh. And even if you want to go with him discovering that it's by fire, I feel like there could have been a better way of communicating that how he figures it out. Because I remember sitting there watching it and being like, why is he going for the matches? Yeah, like it just seems really random. Uh-huh. Once you figure out what he's doing, it makes sense, but it doesn't seem like he thought, "Hey, I should try and kill them with flames."
0: Yes, it is a it is like a leap in logic that, but they have to get there
1: exactly. So he tells him in the recorded message, "I am down, but in the boiler room mm-hmm. because I don't think they like heat very much, and if I feel like I am going to die, I am going to set them on fire." Yes.
0: Meanwhile. All of the frat guys are getting on a bus. They're going to take a bus to the sorority house to pick up their dates to go to this formal dance. Chris tracks down the detective who is about to kill himself. Because, you know, he's, he's been subjected again to the same trauma that's been kind of dominating his life and his mental state this entire time. But Chris catches him before he can do that and tells him what's going on and tells him about the fire thing. So they go to the police armory and demand a flamethrower <laughs> and stick up the dude at the armory to get it. Hi, Walt. Well, 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 Detective Ray Cameron, son of a gun, is that really you? Yeah, it's me, all right, Walt. I'll by you? Hey, can't complain. Cannot complain, Raymond. So... What can I do you for? Well, the thing is, uh, Walter, what I need is... You need your basic flamethrower. Flamethrower? <laughs> flamethrower? <laughs> flamethrower? Yeah. Flamethrower? <laughs> Jesus. What's the matter? The old snub nose ain't good enough for you anymore? Uh, I know. I know. Just break out the old heavy artillery, will you, uh, Walter? <laughs> sweet shot. One BB gun, and One flamethrower. There you go. So, uh, if you just let me have the requisition Oh, well <laughs> The thing is Oh, uh, the thing is, Walter I, um I don't have a requisition form Is the thing uh, You don't Well, uh,
1: geez To tell you the truth, Ray, that could be a little problem
0: Yeah There could be a little problem they go to the sorority house, which is the last known location of all these slugs. And Brad, who has been possessed at this point, shows up at the front door and everyone's like, Cynthia, Brad's here. And Cynthia officially breaks it off with Brad at this point, even though he's already dead. He is a zombie. And so they they show up, they kill Brad, and they burn all the slugs that are coming out of his head, like immediately. So the combination is shoot him in the head, flamethrower Right as the slugs are coming out, so they all catch fire. So you're getting them all in the same place. Why you wouldn't just flamethrower to the face, I don't know. Yeah. It's not as exciting that way, I guess. Yeah. So the bus gets into a crash and kills everyone on board. And they all get infected with slugs. The detective goes into the house to get everyone out. Meanwhile, Cynthia straps the flamethrower onto her back and... Chris has the shotgun and they're dressed in their formal outfits and it is fucking awesome.
1: Pretty sure. I know what we're going to be for Halloween this year. It was
0: so cool. Yeah. I loved it. It was a great visual. So they're outside fighting off all the fraternity zombies and they're, they're teaming up to combo to take down all these fraternity zombies. (laughs) Apparently there wasn't quite enough action in it for the producers And they went back and they refilmed that scene where they go into the tool shed and then the tool shed gets attacked, which I mean, Chris is kind of mean to Cynthia there where he's like, oh, great idea. When they start breaking down the tool shed or whatever.
1: Real good plan. Yeah. I love that he said real good because when I was in high school, I was in a play about some hicks and I said real good all the time. (laughs) That made me happy. It's just
0: your little personal thing. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So detectives inside and they're outside. So they take out all of the fraternity and they see that the slugs are going into the basement where Cynthia explains, oh, my God, one of our sorority house members has been keeping brains down there for her class. She was going to keep them there over the weekend. They mentioned it earlier. Yeah, it's fine. Just keep them in the basement where it's cool and all that. So they're like, shit, these slugs are going to lay their eggs in these brains. Uh, And then there's just going to be tons of them. So we have to take them out first. So they go there and they see all of these slugs. It's too late. The place is just infested with slugs. But
1: they're all in a corner.
0: Yeah. And they're all like writhing on top of themselves. And it's some bad effects.
1: The graphics weren't yeah, great.
0: Yeah. Uh huh. But Detective Cameron is already there and he's taped over his mouth because he knows what's going on. <laughs> uh, and he, you know, he motions for them to do that and to stay out. And he's getting a can of gasoline and he starts to pour it everywhere. And he takes the tape off his mouth and he starts counting down from 10 or 20 or something like that. And they know, fuck, he's going to blow this place up. And so they go running through and they need to get more people out of the sorority and get out, get out, get out. As he is uh, counting down, there's this moment where they're like counting down together. When we cut to Chris and Cynthia, Chris is counting down for him, et cetera. It's kind of neat. And they run outside the detective opens up the gas valve in the basement. So, like, the whole place is going to be leaking with gas. Slugs are going to attack him, at which point he lights his lighter and the whole thing blows up. While Chris is outside and he says, thrill me.
1: Detective,
0: thrill me. And then mm-hmm. explosion.
1: Mm-hmm. But the house is on fire. But problem with that plan. What is that? They can take over dead bodies. And they do.
0: Well, I mean, they think they're taking out the slugs this way. Mm-hmm. So they don't they just don't know that they're not getting all the slugs. They got the the hive of slugs. Mm-hmm. You know. They kiss, the house is burning down.
1: They show us the rose. Yes. But it's not over because
0: as all these cops are swarming the area and fire department and all of that, out comes Detective Cameron. Who didn't keep the tape over his mouth He's now a walking, shambling corpse And he's smoking a cigarette <laughs> And then he falls over And then and his head comes. explodes And all new slugs come out And they head towards the cemetery But then we get a shot oh you know, it's awesome So then there's searchlights in the sky <laughs> And we get a shot of the skyline and a fucking UFO shows up.
1: They're back for their experiment.
0: <laughs> yes, and they're going to yeah retrieve all these all these slugs is the general idea. And maybe there's going to be a sequel. Who knows? There
1: was a sequel,
0: Zombie Town, mm-hmm. but it's not like a real sequel. Oh yeah, it's a it's an unofficial sequel. Mm. So that's the end of the movie. Lightning round, Kelsey.
1: Oh, so many things.
0: I actually only have a couple. I wrote down, (laughs) I wrote down, starting to get bummed I didn't buy it because I rented it. (laughs) Um, I was kind of bummed that I didn't because it was like $4 to rent and like $10 to buy. And I think I'll watch it at least two more times in my life. (laughs) I should have bought it. (laughs) You should have. Who was the requisitions officer, Kelsey? The one that they stick up to get the flamethrower?
1: Oh it was the guy from Gremlin. Dick Miller
0: Yeah who Aww. recently passed away uh, We were talking about him a lot A couple months ago He was mm-hmm. in uh, several different movies That we were watching
1: I was so excited when he came on the screen Yeah I'm going to refrain from saying all of the lines of J.C.'s. It'll take
0: forever to find. He's
1: so (laughs) great. But, like, there's this whole conversation they're having when we first are introduced to them. Mm -hmm. And he says, like, you know, when you're depressed, I'm depressed. J.C., do me a favor. Anything, dude. You got it. No. Don't try and cheer me up. Look, Chris, when you're depressed, I'm depressed. And I like being depressed. It's... Well, you know, no, it's depressing. depressing. yeah.
0: So do me a favor, okay, bud? Cut out this being depressed shit.
1: He's so cute. Like, they're yeah. best friends. That's why I
0: wrote down when, when he dies, it is, and he leaves that message, it is genuinely heartbreaking. hmm The aliens, I wrote down that I believe they were little people actors, and it just looked like little people in gingerbread costumes. Like gingerbread man costumes. Mm-hmm. Because they're just like that kind of body shape to the outfits that they're wearing with big round heads. Almost like, I mean, Bobby, almost like Ginger Dead Man. Mm -hmm.
1: This whole movie is just 80s glory. There's so, like, I just, I love the outfits. I love the hair. I love the Valley Girl talk from Uh all the sororities. Yeah. Not once, but twice we get a, I'm so sure. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so sure. Don't everybody run to answer the door at once.
0: Okay. One of Kelsey's favorite movies of all time is Valley Girl. (laughs) And she's watched it enough times where I am totally endeared to it now. (laughs) Against my will, almost.
1: I'm so sure, but I just loved it because you have to get a you have to get a clip of one of the sorority girls. Yes, and oh they, absolutely. They do it twice. Uh huh. I'm so sure. Very hilarious, Brad. I'm so sure. <laughs> Straight out
0: of Valley Girl. Now fuck off for sure, like totally. When JC is in the bathroom, there's graffiti on the wall that says "Go Monster Squad." Which, again, was directed by Fred Decker.
1: I love when they're getting interrogated for the first time with the cop. Because he's like, okay, so what were you doing last night? And JC just makes up this bullshit story. And then the main guy just goes, he's lying, we did it. (laughs) 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 JC's like, what the fuck?
0: (laughs) Detective, I I mean, we're not your fraternity types. Uh I personally would rather have my brains invaded by creatures from space than Pledge of fraternity.
1: He's lying. We did it.
0: Speaking of the main guy, Chris, do you recognize him from anything?
1: I recognize him. I couldn't remember why.
0: He is one of the many Rusties from the Vacation movies. He's the Rusty from European Vacation.
1: Oh, that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's kind of the worst one of the series, in my opinion. yeah. I know most people hate Vegas. I do not hate Vegas.
0: No, I think it's I think it's Christmas original Vegas, European, and then it gets really fucking obscure with all the crazy ones. Mhm. And Christmas just because fucking we watch it literally every year. It like it kind of is Christmas. Oh god, I'm getting all these Christmas vibes right now just thinking about it.
1: Mhm. At one point in the movie the cop has the cop has so many great lines too. This the writing is so good.
0: Yeah. I mean these guys are they're script writers mm-hmm. and they've they've written some fun movies. Especially Shane Black. Okay. Shane Black did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which has one of the greatest lines in movie history, which is if you look up the word Idiot in the dictionary, do you know what you'll find? And Robert Downey Jr. says a picture of me. And Val Kilmer says, No, the definition of idiot, which you are Look up idiot in the dictionary, you know what you'll find? A picture of me? No. The definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are. <laughs> it's just so great. There are a lot of really he's he's a very, very clever writer, and he did work a little bit uncredited on this script. And obviously Fred Decker has some some charm to him. They they came up with the kick him in the nards line. <laughs> Wolfman doesn't have nards, that whole thing. <laughs> So, they're clever guys, and they're scriptwriters at heart. So, I'm not surprised that this is actually a really clever movie.
1: Well, like, at one point, he's just like, what is this, a B-movie? And then somebody, at some point, says, by yourself. And he goes, no, with my shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just so good. He's just so funny. When they're getting on the bus, the frat guys, (laughs) their conversation is hilarious. Oh, yeah. He's asking where brad is and he tells him he's going after his girlfriend he's like bogus man he must be bummed what a bitch <laughs> and then like let's go bros we're gonna get done dudes <laughs> when, did, when was done ever
0: i don't know <laughs> speaking of the script writing
1: <laughs> yeah and at one point like i think i think it's the cop is gonna like kill a bunch of stuff and he's like it's miller time so many good lines, I could go on and on. I love this movie. It is I can't believe I never saw it and I'm excited to watch it again.
0: Yes, absolutely. So what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? 86. 73 mm. out of 15 reviews. Mm. Do you think that's overrated or underrated? Underrated. There are there is no metacritic or cinema score. Yeah, definitely underrated, but what would you give it?
1: I give it an 84.
0: I was going to go full on 85. Okay. Yeah, no, it's it's a neat little, un. I don't want to call it unknown, but like, it's not well known. It's this little gem that has just been existing without us having seen it before, which is so tragic. <laughs> uh, so if you didn't watch it, highly recommend go back and, and watch it. It's pretty good. Speaking of tragedy, though, before we move on to our next movie, Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition.
1: I see what you did there. Uh Uh-huh. It took me a minute (laughs) I see it now. The other two questions are also so easy. Would you rather a question about Get Out or Silence of the Lambs? (sighs) They're
0: both really easy. You would get both. Silence of the Lambs. Do you want
1: me to just do both? Sure, yeah,
0: since they're so easy. They're so easy.
1: At the 75th Golden Globe Awards, 2017's Get Out was nominated for best motion picture in what category?
0: It was for comedy.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which you gave me shit for saying that I understand why they did it. I it know it's a comedy,
0: but it's it, I know. It's funny.
1: It sounds really bad, but it is really funny.
0: It is, but this is a comedy. Yes. Right? Yes. Like Night of the Creeps is a comedy
1: absolutely
0: and get out is nothing but
1: doesn't golden like that. globes don't they ha- don't you have to be in a specific category
0: yeah there's musical or comedy and
1: they don't have a horror category best picture
0: right yeah and you think horror it has dramatic
1: elements but it's also
0: really funny yeah so no I, I mean i get it but it sucks that it goes to show that even with multiple best picture categories the nuance just isn't enough
1: yes Um, All right, what's the
0: other one? Silence of the Lambs.
1: In 1991's The Silence of the Lambs, with what kind of beans does Hannibal Lecter say he ate the liver of a census taker?
0: Fava beans. That's right. Fava beans. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. All right, Kelsey. This one's a little bit harder. Okay. Also related to Steven Spielberg. Okay. I would not look down on you if you don't know the answer to this one. In Jaws, 1975. True story also, by the way. What is the name of the ship that sunk during World War II, of which Quinn, sorry, of which Quint is a survivor?
1: Oh, shit. I've seen the movie I don't know how many times Okay
0: well I'll give you two hints
1: We've listened to Inside Jaws
0: It's that famous speech That's just so fucking good Yeah It starts with USS because it is Oh thanks babe It is a military ship (laughs) uh, And it's named after a major city
1: It's not the USS Enterprise
0: No it's not the USS Enterprise (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: this is a total guess Is it the USS I had a guess and it just Flew out of my mind Oh well The USS Denver
0: No what if I told you It was a city in Indiana There's a There's a big car race that happens there talladega no
1: indy 500
0: yes what is indy short for
1: indianapolis
0: yes it is the uss indianapolis
1: i would prefer it if it was the uss
0: enterprise, enterprise. captain john luke picard <laughs> ss enterprise captain john <laughs> luke of the uss you don't deserve to wear that uniform. <laughs> the first duty of every star officer is to the truth, scientific truth, or historical truth, or personal truth. It is a tiny principle of a star media based And you can't find it within yourself. to Stand up, tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that the uniform. Alright, Kelsey, next up is 2017's A Tragedy Girls. Based on an original screenplay by Justin Olsen with writing credits for Chris Lee Hill and Tyler McIntyre, directed by Tyler McIntyre, which, not a huge surprise, this movie reeks of a movie that's directed by its writer, whereas Night of the Creeps, which was one of those
1: movies,
0: doesn't. But there are certain types of movies that they have a certain quality to them where you know, not every movie that's directed by its writer is like this, but... Every movie that's like this is directed by its writer. (laughs) And starring Brianna Hildebrand, Alexandra Shipp, Jack Quaid, and Kevin Durand, what is Tragedy Girls about?
1: These two girls who are obsessed with being famous on social media are following a serial killer, but they want the serial killer to be a much bigger deal, so they end up Taking over his
0: job, basically. Sure. This movie was recommended by Chickapedia. She did clarify. Let me find her actual tweet.
1: And and let's not forget, this was originally on the list. The Chickapedia (laughs) just said, hey, you should watch Tragedy Girls. And I was like, that's awesome, because that's already on the list.
0: Yes, but to be clear, she clarified. She only recommended it so she could hear our take. And she hated the last quarter of the movie, how it went.
1: Well, that's okay, Chickapedia, because...
0: We did not like this movie. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It has good... Like, there are good things about it. Yes,
0: absolutely. And it has a lot of potential.
1: That's the problem. It has Uh so much potential. That's what's disappointing about it. And it's... Yeah, it's super disappointing to watch, because you're just like, man... If this wasn't so up its own ass... Right, this This is what I'm
0: talking about where a movie is directed by its own writer. Mm -hmm. Like, not every movie directed by its own writer is up its own ass. Mm -hmm. But if a movie is up its own ass like that, it probably is. Mm -hmm. So, Tyler McIntyre... You know, it's, it seems like one of those things that oh, we wrote it in high school or college, and we've just been trying to get it made. Hey, you know what?
1: bad was written. No, when we I were in
0: know, high but there are good movies that are like that, and there are bad movies that are like that. Uh-uh. And nowadays, it's a lot easier to get those movies made because it's a lot easier just to you know get Russell some funding up and and make a movie on the cheap. And this is definitely one of those. If they had taken Tyler McIntyre's and Chrisley Hill's original script. Or maybe even gone back to the original screenplay by Justin Olsen and gave it to a professional screenwriter who has a history in the business, who knew what, the, what he was doing or she, and then handed it over to a director who knew what they were doing, this could have been a, an, a, an incredible movie. Mm-hmm. It could have been really funny. It could have been really clever. And unfortunately, it it stops just – not even just. It, sh- it stops kind of way far Short of that.
1: Yeah, it's... I say this all the time. They don't know what subtlety is.
0: No, not at all. And... And they try, like, these interesting edits and smash cuts and zooms and wipes and stuff like that to make it frenetic and energetic, but they're really cheaply done.
1: Yeah. It's very cheap, is a good way to put it. Yeah. And it's all about, like... I said this at the end, that I loved the production of it, and Chris said he didn't. But I loved the 80s style that was happening, but unfortunately, they didn't know what to do with it. Right. They just kind of plastered it on screen. It's not
0: just that style. It's everything about it. They have an idea, but they have no idea how to execute it.
1: It's like they saw It Follows and they were like ooh i like all this music i like the fun colors and i'm going to put that in my movie because that's really popular right now and then on top of that social media is really popular right now which by the way guys i am so sick of social so media being of it. the evil person so like sick of come it. on Ugh, it was interesting once. I think. Yeah. I think the signal was probably the best version. And that
0: was that was just television. That wasn't social media. Was it television? Yeah. No, it was their phones? The signal came out of their phones. I don't remember. Hey, I no, I remember they go into movie. the uh, they go into the the train station or the airport or whatever it is. I think it's going totally through everything. Yeah, but yeah, uh-huh. I get what
1: you're saying. But it's
0: media, not social media in particular.
1: Yeah, but it's just gotten to the point where it's really overdone. Anyway. Also, you need to find a way to make your bad guy endearing, because I sat there the entire movie thinking to myself, wow, these actresses are actually doing an incredible job with what they have. They're really bringing these characters to life. Unfortunately, I absolutely despise and loathe both of them. As characters, yeah. Yeah, as characters. No, I think the actresses did a great job. But the characters are so despicable. I could, Like, they weren't even funny. Like, I was just sitting there just like, I hate you. Yeah. And that is not to say that I cannot enjoy a movie about a serial killer. I fucking love Talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah. I love... And, of course, now I can't think of any yeah, other examples. Right. But, like, movies that follow serial killers is not my problem. My problem is that you need to give me something to like about them.
0: Right. If they're not sympathetic...
1: In any way. Then
0: make them compelling. And yes. these were neither. Yes. And that's a big, big problem. They were
1: just obnoxious teenage girls that you just yeah. want to smack.
0: Played by Brianna Hildebrand and Alexandra Shipp, who respectively are Negasonic Teenage Warhead and Storm from the X-Men. <laughs> they are both in X-Men movies made by Fox because, I mean, technically... I think you could put Deadpool in that X-Men family of movies especially since they make a cameo appearance, right? The Serial Killer played by Kevin Durand is the Blob from X-Men Origins Wolverine.
1: Is he really? Yes, uh-huh. I don't remember that.
0: And then so that's like this whole like X-Men. connection. They did an interview for I guess we got this covered or at least it was discussed on on the on that website. Where the two of them would love to do a Negasonic Teenage Orhead Storm crossover movie mm-hmm. because they they really enjoyed making this together. Um they enjoyed working together like that, and they'd like to do it in the future. But then there's Jack Quaid, who is the son of Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid, by the way.
1: The dude she dates?
0: The guy who's obsessed with her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, that's the really? son of Meg Ryan and Jack Quaid. He huh. was he was in The Hunger Games, the first two Hunger Games movies. It's a character named Marvel. And Josh Hutcherson has an uncredited role yes! in this
1: Yes! Oh, it was really... That was a good Like, moment. this is
0: when you're like, oh, my God, is this movie going to be fun?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Unfortunately... I, it's not. It's <laughs> yeah.
0: not. Josh Hutcherson obviously played PETA in The Hunger Games movies.
1: I think you're supposed to like them. Yeah. I think you're supposed to like them. It's, and,
0: and it's supposed to be like... Ironic.
1: They're just super annoying and obnoxious, like, to the point where I'm like, you're one of those kids that I would hate to have in my classroom. And it really bothered me because there are scenes inside of a classroom where you're supposed to think that the teacher is a bitch.
0: Right. Kelsey's a teacher, guys. Don't make teachers be bitches.
1: I don't care (laughs) about that. Especially
0: when it's like, oh, are you, like are you disrupting class and in a manner that's disrespectful to somebody who's dead? Like, yeah, the teacher would chew them the fuck out. Mm-hmm. So fuck these kids. And again, another reason why you just do not like them.
1: But then, characters. but then later this movie obviously doesn't like fucking teachers. Cause later they like make a joke that she's an alcoholic slut that uh-huh. smokes cigarettes. And I'm like, yeah. no, no movie. You're, you're seriously going to slam on a profession where the, where people like, put their heart and souls into this because she yelled at them for being on their phones in class yeah no movie i am on the teacher side right. here
0: right and, and i was i'm not even I'm a teacher, teacher. exactly yeah, Uh huh. all right well <laughs> that's our non-spoilery thoughts on the movie you don't have to watch it
1: they also wear masks that are st- that are straight out of the Purge.
0: Yes. Like, that
1: was just a blatant rip-off. Like, right. Purge, unless it's supposed to be an was homage. It, is it The
0: Purge 2 or Purge 3 where they get those masks? It's, yeah, it's... Well, it's, they
1: wear masks in every very, one. But, the, but like, the is neon one, glowy yes, one? There's yeah, one uh-huh. that specifically does have neon glowing Xs and stuff for faces. Uh-huh. And they just took that. Yeah, Like, maybe it's supposed to be an homage, but, like, it doesn't feel like one.
0: Right. Yeah. And we also come to these And then they make kids. an
1: homage to Carrie, which... Oh, oh, there's there's, I, a, couple. there's nah. a couple, there's a couple,
0: there's oh. a couple. We'll get into all the homages that it does. Just
1: because you're making a horror movie about prom night does not mean it needs to be like Carrie. Prom night did their own thing.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. But the other thing is that you come into these characters, you're introduced to them, and they're already nuts. So we don't know how they got that way, why they're that way.
1: Well, they tell us. Well, they tell us a part of it.
0: Yeah, you know, we get a little bit of a background, but by that point, I already hate them. And then the background we're given is like, oh, you are fucking awful. Yep. Like, so anyway, you don't need to watch the movie. You can just hear us talk about it some more. We'll get into the specifics if you're curious about what happened. I won't say that I'm glad I watched it. I'm not upset I watched it, but.
1: I'm fine with having seen it, but I wouldn't recommend it. Right,
0: Exactly. So you can take our advice or leave it. And when we get back, we will talk about 2017's Tragedy Girls.
1: Sometimes I just feel like nothing I do matters. Like I'm not special. We only got one retweet today from your mom. <sighs> Sad. Well, we were just wondering if maybe you could give our blog a shout-out.
0: A shout-out from me would be a little off-brand. I have 15,000 followers.
1: You know what that means, a community like this? More to the left. His heart's more to the left. <gasps> You're just hitting the phone, dude. I'm trying. God. Mr. High is trending. I really hope nothing bad happened to him. It's like, poof. He vanished, right? Anybody could be next. Even you. You can find more information on our Tragedy Girls Twitter page. Your brains,
0: my charisma. You can do anything. Quick soundbite from the tragic oh, now. Are you afraid that the killer will target you because of
1: your infamous blog? We will not take any more shit from this serial killer. I'm so scared right now. <laughs> you look
0: amazing. Jeez.
1: Michaela? Shit, are it, okay? I'm sorry. Stay in character. Phone's off, but it's a matter of life and death
0: crazy! <laughs> used to be the same, you and me. Do you remember our first time?
1: I just want to know, what's next for the tragedy girls? What happened there? Nothing. Is that blood? Heavy flow day. I don't know if
0: that's not how that works, right? All right, Kelsey, it's time to do it. Let's talk about tragedy girls. How does it get started?
1: So we have another couple sitting at a point. This time they're on a bridge making out. And the girl, like, puts her hand on the fog to to look out the window, and she smiles at what she sees. And she hears something, and the guy's like, what do you think that is? And she's like, it's probably nothing. And I love his response. Why would it be nothing? (laughs) And then he's like, you know, we need to go. We should just leave. Uh And she's like, what? I don't know why you're being such a little bitch about it. You should go check it out.
0: Um, No, let's go. I have a bad feeling.
1: Come on. It's probably nothing.
0: we talk about how could that be nothing?
1: Why are you being such a little bitch about this? What? I'm sorry. I just heard you were a fucking
0: man. Like, exactly the way... That What's-Her-Face delivers it in Superbad. Yes. Like, there's no way that's not a reference to that moment. (laughs) Superbad, this gigantic movie, and then you deliver the same exact line in the same exact way, except she's not drunk. (laughs) I don't know why you have to be such a little bitch about it.
1: (laughs) I don't understand why you have to be such a little bitch
0: about it. You just call me a bitch?
1: And... He has the exact same reaction that what's his name has. Like,
0: did you really just say that did to you me? Just call me a little bit.
1: <laughs> and she, he's like, I'm not gonna go. And she's like, Sorry, I just heard you were a fucking man. Yeah. To which he's like, Okay, I guess I'll go look. And then, of course, he gets killed with a machete.
0: Now, this is obviously her reaction is ob- like from the word go. It's obvious that she wants him to go outside because she knows there's something dangerous out there. Mm-hmm. That's why she's acting the way that she is.
1: Yes, and so they're trying to capture like the local psycho who's been wa- who's been killing people. Yeah,
0: she runs away from him. She ducks under what is effectively a clothesline, and it clones lines the dude, and they try to shock him with tasers that just aren't working.
1: Fucking Amazon. It's not working.
0: Fucking Amazon. Yeah. (laughs) And so then they hit him really hard with something. I don't remember what. And that serial killer is Lowell Orson Lehman. I feel like he should have had three first names. I don't know why he didn't. (laughs) But whatever. And they tie him up and they're like, oh, hey, we're big fans.
1: And so when he wakes up, They've got him tied up somewhere. Do they even tell us where he's nope. tied up?
0: Not, yeah, I don't. No, really I think do. I think they might vaguely, but they don't talk about why they have access to this place or anything. Yeah, they just do.
1: Anyway, the girls explain they want to become serial killers. They've taken this guy because they're hoping he can give them some pointers.
0: And either way, even if he doesn't, they can still blame all the murders on him.
1: Yes, and um, murders that
0: they want to commit.
1: He has committed some himself, but there's also been a recent like slaying of like neighborhood animals and stuff. Yes,
0: which is them.
1: Yes, and there's a joke that keeps coming up with the with Negasonic Teenage Warhead's father and he keeps saying, "Have you seen the cat?"
0: Hey. Seen the cat lately? Nope. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. And then they have this whole bit about how, oh, did you learn how to properly dispose of bodies? We got our ideas from Breaking Bad. It actually works. And you know, the the tubs they have to, lie and all that.
1: Cause they have to chop up the body of the boy. Yes. What the shit? You've gotta be kidding me.
0: You couldn't even do that right.
1: You're back down to four. <clears throat> <laughs> You ever do this the whole industrial lied about the body thing We stole it from breaking bad but it totally
0: works yeah it took a lot of stray cats and dogs to get this mixture down who after this is presumed to have run away because the cops are unwilling to say that the serial killer has made it to their town and freak everybody out
1: and they have a guy who like Edits all of their videos for them, and he is just head over heels in love with Negasonic Teenage Warhead.
0: Yes, so let's get some names in here. Sadie is Negasonic Teenage Warhead, okay. Michaela is Storm.
1: I remember her name because she always says MK. Yes, so I always remember Michaela, but I feel like she never calls her Sadie.
0: And Jordan is Baby Quaid,
1: Baby Quaid. Quade.
0: <laughs> Quato Quade. Quid Quato
1: Quato Nick 2 Nick 2
0: Plato Barata, barata Nick <laughs> 2 completely different
1: Plato, Barata Nick mm.
0: Necktie Nectar Nickel oh, Noodle. It's an N-word. It's definitely an N-word. <sighs> it's definitely an N-word.
1: Clansu Miranda. Next <laughs> Anyway. Uh,
0: so so they like Kelsey said. Jordan edits the videos for them, and is in that's love because, with Sadie. yeah, and is in love with Sadie. That's because they have a blog all about serial killers called The Tragedy Girls, Hence the name of the movie. And it's just them taking selfie videos talking about serial killers, yes, which cool, awesome, Good for them,
1: but so Sadie. Kind of likes Jordan. Kind of. They have they have a connection, like they love like horror movies. Like he gives her back.
0: Well but she's embarrassed about it. Which is the
1: most oh
0: god. Look, I've never
1: seen Martyrs, but I know what it's about and I don't get why everyone seems to think it's the most incredible thing in the in the world. Or maybe
0: you should watch it before you i guess
1: I don't enjoy torture porn. Yeah. Anyway.
0: But she's Im- she's embarrassed because I think she's still heavily influenced by Michaela. Like, between the two of them, it seems to me that, and I know this is kind of like trying, this is kind of as far as they set anything up. If anyone has any reason to be upset at the other person, it's Sadie, not Michaela. But Michaela ends up being the one that gets pissed off at Sadie. And... Yes, they're setting up the fact that is the more fucked up one.
1: She's the crazier one. Yeah. Even though actually, in reality, Sadie is supposedly the one who started all of this. Yes. But Michaela is the more unstable one. Let's put yeah. it that way. Unstable.
0: <laughs> right. Lowell tries to convince Michaela that, you know, Sadie isn't like her and that Michaela is is like him, but Sadie isn't. Sadie's doing it for the celebrity, for the likes and all of that stuff. She's not actually committed to the cause. At which point, Michaela says, whatever, Hannibal.
1: She's not like you. Whatever, Hannibal.
0: She makes little plans. Always bossing you around. Now you, you,
1: you're more like me. <laughs>
0: The fuck are you talking about?
1: Ask yourself, who really takes all the risk? Who really wants to kill? Her? Hmm? Oh, without you, she's um, nothing. No, Sadie and I are like the same person. She orders you around. Not always.
0: She'll take all the credit. Oh, just like the desperate little fangirl that she is. You can't trust her.
1: What am I supposed to do?
0: Just release me. And we'll kill everybody that gets in our way. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Just open the door, Mikaela. Okay. Oh, my God, Lowe. This is kind of sad, bro. You could ever get in between
1: me and my BFF.
0: (laughs) So there's a few references like that throughout the movie. I'll get into them a little bit later.
1: So then we meet... Toby!
0: Toby! The best is part
1: of the movie! Josh
0: Hutcherson. Who yes. Michaela
1: is in love with, which is interesting, because I thought that it was going to be that Michaela had a crush on Sadie.
0: Right. I thought that's why... I'm kind of glad that's not where it went.
1: Yeah, me too. But, like, I thought that's where it was going to go, because I thought that Michaela was jealous of Jordan. But then, later, it, it almost seems like Sadie is also jealous of Toby. So, basically, what it just seems like is their best friend's... And any guy who gets in the way is a problem.
0: Yes. But Toby is... Like, so Jordan's earnest and he's nice. Toby is a total fucking dipshit. He's also a social media god and he has surpassed them and follows. And so they decide, now that we're doing this and we've caught the serial killer and we're going to start committing these murders on the reg, Toby is the first to go. And Michaela's like, that fucking sucks, but okay.
1: She's really... She They used to date Yes And she's Just really turned on By him basically Yes uh, Which so is they, totally Understandable Josh Hutcherson <laughs> Is a cute guy It's a shame just, It's a shame He's as short as he is <laughs> yeah.
0: The whole thing Is just him Sitting on his motorcycle That he got a really Good deal on <laughs> And And just saying <laughs> Vaguely Profound things That aren't really Profound no. Hey What's up Hi Tobes Hey KK
1: How are you doing I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm just... I'm, like, really upset about Craig and everything, but... It's good. You need to be open right now to experience everything. so open. As scary as it may be, you can't be afraid to
0: ride that wave. I ride it. No matter how terrifying it is, embrace it, okay?
1: I'm gonna embrace it so hard.
0: And all the girls fucking love him because he's so deep. <laughs> so he's riding on his motorcycle and they run him off the road, but it doesn't kill him. And... Sadie is trying to stab him to death and can't do it because she can't break through his breastplate.
1: But before that, at one point, he's, like, trying to call out for somebody or he needs help. And... (laughs) Michaela is the fourth girl that he says
0: oh
1: and she gets really upset she's like i was well, number four
0: <laughs> she was she's breathing into the phone uh, is what it is and he doesn't know who it is and he names off four girls before he gets to Michaela and no, she's, she's pissed off at that one, so yeah three, exactly four, yeah yeah hello
1: <sighs> hello <sighs> who is this angela Tatum,
0: Michelle, Michaela,
1: I was number four.
0: So they run him off the road. Sadie tries to stab him and and it just keeps failing because she can't break through his breastplate. Somebody drives up and Sadie goes and distracts him while Michaela actually kills Toby. And Toby's like, if I'm going to be murdered. I'm glad it's you or something like that. And then
1: they make out.
0: (laughs) Yes. And it's like moments like this. That are funny. I'm like, this movie's good. Yes. I like this. This is fun. But
1: there's not enough of it. There's
0: not nearly. And they kill off like the main source of this. (laughs) Like the first thing they do.
1: Sadie shows up. She's like, MK, what the fuck? (laughs) Because she's making out with this dead guy.
0: Yes, because he's already dead by the time she finishes making out with him. All right, so... Uh, and then
1: the next day, the cops show up and they're just talking about how you need to be safe when you're driving. And they're like, they're withholding the fact that the guy was stabbed multiple times. Yeah, they call times. it an
0: accident. And they, they're like, wait a minute. Uh, what, what about all the stab wounds, allegedly, or whatever it is that they say?
1: <laughs> I'm not a CSI person, but it looked like he was murdered. Murdered? The coroner's report said it was an accident. So devastating. But wasn't there evidence that he was stabbed multiple times? That's just what we heard.
0: Yeah, so they get pissed off that they're not getting credit for it. The first kid ran away. This one was a motorcycle accident. They're like, what the fuck? How are we going to drum up support for our blog if people don't know that they're murders?" So they talk about them on their blog like they are murders, but they get no corroboration from any source. The news, the police, nothing. So the next person they decide to kill is Sil, which I think is short for Sylvia.
1: The reason they want to kill her is because – so Michaela and Sadie are –
0: Cheerleaders for some fucking reason.
1: Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. They're also on
0: the prom planning committee for some fucking reason. because
1: I think they're obsessed with just being popular. Yeah. And at first, in high school, that's the easy way to become popular. But they're all – they're
0: designed in ways that they're like the alt girls – And they're super caustic and, like, not in, like, the catty way. But at the same time,
1: they're friends with every little group. They show that through a, like, a montage. Right, but that
0: doesn't make any fucking sense.
1: Well, they're doing all of this to get famous.
0: Uh, Yeah, no, I understand. But I don't believe that the people that have these attitudes also have these behaviors. These things don't go together.
1: I agree. It's a weak plot.
0: Yeah, it really is.
1: Anyway, so... Syl is like, Syl is the one that wants to be popular, but for being the goody two-shoes. She wants to get all the scholarships into college. She wants everyone to look at her as like the sweet, perfect girl. And And she's she's, part of prom committee. And and she's she's she's
0: the Regina, right, of the plastics. Like, she has this one girl that follows her around and is basically her secretary. And everyone loves her and wants to be her, but she's actually a huge bitch. You know, like that sort of thing.
1: So she is like, I think we should cancel prom and put all the proceeds towards the family of the Josh Hutcherson guy who died. And she hits the hammer. So Sadie gets so annoyed she's got the hammer because she's on the she's the president of the prom committee and she hits it so much that the thing like pops off uh-huh. and Michaela goes, Goodness <laughs> <laughs> Could you repeat that self for the record? Yes. Like I was saying, two of our fellow classmates are gone, and I think to honor them, we should tone down the dance. It is so tragic we lost Craig before his time, so and <laughs> my ex, Toby. May he rest in peace. As a junior, you may not quite understand this yet, Syl, so, mm-hmm. but I think it would actually dishonor their memory. Yeah, if we don't have prom, then the haters win, so. Plus, we already made the deposit on the DJ. And that shit's non-refundable. I hear you, but that's before everything happened. I think we should donate our budgets to the families, right? Goodness. Like, there are so many tiny, minuscule moments that are just so good, Uh but they just are crushed under everything else.
0: But they ultimately say that they disagree with toning down the dance.
1: And what they first decide to do is destroy her little library thing that she created. Yes. And it's, it's kind of funny because it's like, oh, it's going to state competition. It's going to represent the entire school. And you find out, like, after they destroyed it, she's like, now how am I supposed to get my scholarship? Yeah. Right? She doesn't give a shit about being a good person. She's going to get
0: like the free library scholarship or whatever. Because that's what it is. You design little houses. You put them out front. You put books in them. And then people can borrow and leave books or whatever. And this particular house apparently is modeled after the Myers House from Halloween.
1: Interesting. So that night, she's forced to create another one. So she's in shop really late at night, mm-hmm. and this is when the two girls decide to go after her. And this is the first time they put on masks because they're inside the drama club department, whatever. So they put on these masks, and they—I think they kind of almost accidentally kill her. They don't. It doesn't go the way they. No, planned. yeah, it
0: doesn't at all. They confront her and.
1: Oh, that's right. She tries to get away. Because she's got the shoes that she said earlier you can't wear on Uh the cheerleading squad. With the colorful laces
0: and all that. Yes, (laughs) And so she tries to get away and they they struggle with her. Her leg ends up getting tied up in the chain and then runs across a blade slicing her head just clean open.
1: And they're like, well, fuck, they're going to still say this was an accident.
0: Yeah. So we need to... Chop up the body, and so they start to do that, and then the serial killer from Too Many Cooks, who plays the janitor, William Tokarski, he comes in whistling, and they turn around, they see him, he empties the trash out, and then just leaves, not even realizing that they are there.
1: And it's a brilliant little moment, and I've... <laughs> As a teacher, I've been in my room late, late, later than I'm supposed to be, and people, maintenance will come in and stuff, and they've come in and not noticed that I'm there. Yeah. Because the lights in our school will turn off, like if you don't, if you're not moving, uh-huh. they're, they're, what's it called? Uh, motion, motion censored. And I've just gotten so used to it, and my room is really sensitive. So like sometimes I have to like go back and forth to get the lights to go on. Uh-huh. So I just say fuck it, and I work in the dark.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I've had so many times where maintenance has come in, and they're just doing their thing, and I'm just sitting over there in the corner, and I'm like, hi, and I, they've been scared, like, uh-huh. hi, didn't know you were in here. <laughs> yeah. So like that kind of thing can happen, and it's really a brilliant moment because they have these like just terrified looks on their face. He doesn't even notice, walks back out.
0: Yeah, which is, which is a little cute. And so now, finally, their third kill of an actual person uh, ruled a homicide. Finally. Great. Finally. And now people are like, oh, my God, the Tragedy Girls have been right all along. And so their blog just fucking blows up.
1: And like one girl comes up to her and she's like, Can I get a picture of you in front of my locker? It'll really help me emotionally.
0: Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And you know, so those are kind of cute moments. They have a memorial service in the gym for Syl and Sadie and Michaela are speaking because you know they were on the prom committee together she was their cheerleading captain so it kind of makes sense that they would be and they give this really great and moving speech and they're going to be really popular and then big al asks to say something so big al is craig robinson
1: he's a handball champion
0: yes (laughs) you all know me i've been a firefighter in this community for eight years fire marshal for two not to mention going to state handball championships three years running right here in this very gym. Eighty-seven through eighty-nine, record still stands. Yes, he is a handball champion, <laughs> and his buddy from there's like this weird sort of like homosexual undertone thing to his his firefighter buddy, who's also his spotter when he's working out. And but
1: at the same time, he's sleeping with
0: with the, the teacher. teacher. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So anyway,
1: and it's weird, like Sadie gets pissed, she's like, did you just see how he stole the mic from us? And then Michaela goes, yeah, but he's so hot, though. And and Sadie goes, yeah, so hot. And it's like,
0: what? I, think, I think that's <laughs> supposed to be a joke.
1: I don't think so. I know,
0: I think, I mean, I think there is something cool about Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson is dope. <laughs> Craig Robinson is hilarious. <laughs>
1: And it's just so funny, because Michaela's like, he's so hot, though. Sadie's like, yeah, so hot. Like, and I think they mean it. Do you believe he just stole the mic from us like that? I know, right? Dick. So hot, though. So
0: hot. And I don't get it. <laughs> well, anyway, he goes up there and he talks about, you know, being safe and all of that. And they get pissed that he basically stole the spotlight from them. So they decide to kill him at his gym. And they decide they're going to poison him. Because he's too big to electrocute or whatever.
1: Yeah, if they tried to actually go after him, he could probably overpower them.
0: Yes. So this is when Lowell, the serial killer who's still tied up there, tries to convince Michaela that Sadie's going to turn on her. And that Michaela's always the one who does all the dirty work and Sadie takes all the credit. Michaela's like, you know, whatever, Hannibal, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. So they decide to poison Big Al and they put it in the water. And Michaela shows up at the gym after hours and it's like keeps trying to get him to drink. And then he's like, Did you hear that? And it's Sadie. Sadie had to break in and follow her because in. She had
1: to leave.
0: Yes. She got a message from Jordan saying he's, he's coming, coming over. over.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he, uh, we kind of skipped this. At this point, Jordan thinks it might be Michaela because he saw shoes in her locker that had blood on them. Uh huh. And. He's kind of in denial that Sadie could be a part of it because he's so in love with Sadie. Yeah. So he thinks he needs to protect Sadie from Michaela. So he's like, I'm coming over. And Sadie's like, shit, we need to get out of here.
0: And so she breaks in and they try to take him out together. And it's another accident where the... Barbell slices his head clean off Like at the top of his skull Happy
1: birthday to me Yes,
0: kind of very much like that (laughs) And they get the heck out of there And they manage to get Sadie home Before Jordan shows up
1: Yeah, and Michaela's really annoyed She's like, I had it You could Uh have let me take care of it myself And she's like, I don't know And Michaela's just like, I've got notes, girl I've got notes (laughs) Well, at least this won't look like an accident Dude, I totally had it He drank the water and everything Jordan's on his way to my house, like, right now. We need to go. Okay, fine, but you're not here in the last of this, okay? I've got a lot to talk to you about. You always have a lot to talk to me about. I've got notes, girl. I've got notes.
0: Manufactured conflict here. Like, I don't, like, Jordan didn't have to come over there. Why she couldn't just say, I'm not at home right now. I'll talk to you later. Mm -hmm. Like, they never address that. It's just like, no, this has to be a conflict right now. Mm -hmm. And so we're just going to write it as if it is. But it's so fucking unearned.
1: I think it, no, it might be that she's concerned that if he comes over to my house and I'm not there, and then the next day Big Al shows up dead, Mm -hmm. the question might be, where the fuck were you?
0: Maybe, but they don't really address it in such a way. (laughs) It's just like, no, hey, audience, we're going to tell you she needs to get home. Everyone accept that? Good. We're just going to proceed like that. Like, that's kind of. How it how it tracks for me. Anyway, she gets home, Jordan shows up, and Jordan's like, I stole the case files from my dad. And his dad is he's really, the sheriff.
1: He's really frustrated that his father is refusing to listen to the girls. And it's kind of understandable because from the father's perspective, it's like they're causing more harm than they are... Helping this yeah. these procedures. But at the same time, it's like, no, you were ignoring the fact that people were dying. Right. And you tried to lie about it. So the, the son's just at this point just like, fuck you, dad. I'm with Sadie.
0: Yeah. So the dad really doesn't like these girls because they refuse to stop talking about it. And he thinks that that's bad for the city. But they think that he's not catching the serial killer, or at least ostensibly they say that. So he's bad for the city.
1: The next day at school, they're having this big assembly about the fact that Big Al is gone. And at first, the principal's like, just listen to the cops. And that's when Michaela sends out a picture of Big Al being dead. And Jordan sees her do it. And so that really, like, solidifies yeah. for him, I, you had to have done it. And it's like, of course, how else would she have a fucking picture of the dead body? Yes. And yet he doesn't do anything about it.
0: They run out of this meeting and they hold an Hashtag impromptu...
1: Hashtag remember yes. Al. <laughs> they have
0: this impromptu march for Al. Again, because they're trying to jump, drum up publicity. But while they're out there, Lowell escapes. He gets out. Because they find out because the mayor is murdered... And they're like, what? And we didn't do that. Did you do that? I didn't do it. Did you do that? Mm. And they look at the camera that they have. They have the webcam that they're watching Lowell on, and he's gone. And they're like, fuck. Now we got to stop this guy because he's going to come and kill them. Right? They're not concerned about all the deaths he's going to cause. They don't want to be the victims. So they need to stop Lowell.
1: Yeah, we've, we've skipped some stuff here. This is when they're in school and, like, the teacher tells them, you know, turn your phone off. And she's just like, I'd rather die than turn my phone off, which is exactly how students feel. And then they, of course, they're not even looking at her and they're just like, you're singling us out, you know, like, yeah, uh-huh. just I deal with this every day. And it just makes me fucking hate them even more than I already did. And uh-huh. I don't think we're doing a good job of explaining why these girls suck so much. They are just infuriating. Yeah. There's nothing about them. Aside from the fact that sometimes they make you chuckle. And they're hot. Yes. But like they're just they're bitches to everyone they know. They're bitches to each other.
0: Literally everyone. They're mean to.
1: They're not endearing in any way. Even their friendship is based just on nefarious actions. Like there isn't even like a, a bond there that like goes beyond that. It's purely, hey, we're both psychos and we love each other for that. Yeah. And they're annoying and obnoxious and, I don't know, there's just nothing to enjoy about them. Right. And they're not even clever. All Most of their deaths don't work out the way that they should. Right.
0: And, you know, if that was the premise of the movie, it'd be fine, but it's not the premise of the movie. It's just something that kind of happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Michaela gets really pissy at Jordan because now Jordan doesn't trust her.
1: Yeah, she even says to him, your dad's, as u- your dad's useless just like when your mom got killed. Yes. I thought we made a good team.
0: We do. I... My dad needs me more than you guys right now.
1: Fuck your dad. MK! Don't talk
0: about my dad like that.
1: No, if Sheriff Welch knew his dick from his donuts, he would have solved this already. He's useless. Just like when your mother was murdered. Fuck you! Fuck you! That's enough! And that's our first so inkling. The, like
0: the first time, halfway through the movie, a little bit more than halfway through the movie, that his mom was killed.
1: Yes. And that they know something about it.
0: Not just that the the town knows something about it. There's not even an impression that they know anything in particular about it. Just that it happened and that he didn't catch the killer.
1: And that's the first time that Sadie speaks against Michaela and she says, that's enough. So then later, Michaela's like, he's making you soft.
0: Well, that's the thing though Michaela gets up and leaves and then Sadie just follows her without saying anything yeah, so it's not even like she didn't side with her or anything like exactly. that she ultimately did and she fucked off from Jordan so Jordan is like, okay, well, that fucking sucks and he yeah anyway,
1: and this is when Michaela says, do you still feel bad about his mom? yeah, and that tells us that there's some kind of history there
0: maybe, maybe it does, but in this conflict. Jordan has noticed the extra phone that Michaela has in her bag and he has surreptitiously pocketed it without her knowledge.
1: So, this is when Michaela's like, Dude needs to die. I'll kill him for you. And Sadie goes, No, he's my friend. I should do it.
0: And so she goes to do it.
1: Doesn't go the way that they plan.
0: <laughs> so, Jordan's dad, the sheriff, says, You're not to see that Sadie and that Michaela ever again. You know, basically forbids it. But She sneaks into his room after the dad is asleep, and she has a knife, and she sits down, and she sets the knife down beside her where he can't see it, and she's going to kill him. But they end up talking for a bit, and Jordan says, basically, I think it's Michaela,
1: Or she's somehow involved.
0: Right. Because I have all these files from my dad's office. I also broke into her... Her psych records at the school. <laughs>
1: to which we find out that Michaela is listening to their conversation and she's like, those are private.
0: <laughs> I probably shouldn't be telling you this, but I kind of broke into the school and I got her psych profile. Everyone was doing the march.
1: Those are private.
0: I know. I know. I'm not to insane right
1: now. <laughs> See, moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Moments.
0: And that she texted something is right when everyone else got the text, and that she was using a burner phone, and that this is the burner phone. But I haven't been able to unlock it yet. I think she's involved somehow. And said so he's like, oh, f- fuck. So they end up, like, going to kiss, and she's going to kill him during this moment. But Lowell shows up. The serial killer dude. Yes. Shows up, and he's there. I guess he's tracking them.
1: Yeah, he wants to kill the girls.
0: Yeah, and Michaela sees that, that he shows up as well. So
1: she runs over and breaks the window so that the dad will wake up. Yeah. Because she doesn't want Sadie to die. Mm-hmm.
0: So first thing that happens is Lowell puts the machete right into Jordan.
1: And you think that's going to solve the problem of no, Jordan. It's but it's Jor- just in
0: his shoulder, and so, so... What you
1: find out is that Lowell is like...
0: A total idiot? Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. He, he sucks at his job. And so now it's, it's Sadie running from Lowell and attacking Lowell and stabbing him in the foot. And then the sheriff is woken up. And as she's running away, he shoots Lowell and he falls out the window over a banister, which breaks onto the lawn down on the ground. And he goes out onto the onto the balcony and looks down. And then when he looks down at the lawn, it's empty except, except for the pieces of banister. And if this is starting to sound familiar, it's because it's exactly what happens in Halloween. Yes. It's and an it's, homage. I it's hate, an homage. I'm okay. fine with that.
1: No, it's not okay. Because she, later on, some point, Michaela will try to make fun of him and oh, call yeah. him Mike Myers. A,
0: a Mike Myers wannabe, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: There have to be lines, people!
0: <laughs> there have to be rules. I say he's a combination of Jason and Michael Myers. He uses a machete. And like the Hick murderers. Therefore, too. he's Jason. And, and it's not like it's the clawed glove of Freddy and it's super fucking iconic. Tons of killers use things like machetes. It's used all the fucking time. A machete exists because it's a common weapon. You use it to clear brush. <laughs> I had a buddy growing up who owned a machete. We found it in the woods. You said this on the show. I know. I just love that that happened. (laughs) So anyway, I don't think it's that big a deal. But fine, he didn't call him Jason. Whatever. She didn't call him Jason. Yes. Anyway, so the sheriff is like in the process. Sadie crushes the phone, Michaela's burner phone, and. The sheriff is thankful to Sadie. You saved my son's life. He didn't die because you were there. You fought the killer. I was wrong about you. And then there's this whole press conference where he says this much. Sadie gets to talking. And then somebody in the audience says, what's next for the tragedy girl?
1: And they've done this throughout the movie. And it's always with the two of them. And they always say tragedy girls. Two. yeah. Know, always trying to make it clear. So when she says "tragedy girl," you're expecting her to do the same thing, but this time she doesn't. She doesn't for, it for
0: no reason. fucking reason.
1: Hi, Trish. Channel five. I just want to know what's next for the tragedy girl. Uh, actually, it's. I mean, I'm going to continue to fight for what's right. They've given us no reason. Yeah.
0: No, re- I understand that this needs to be the central. Uh, like conflict between the two characters, that there needs to be some sort of rift that drives a wedge between the two of them. It's
1: the moment but in the rom com when the when the guy says the wrong thing and they break yeah, up because or the of girl it.
0: finds out that he's been lying the whole time, mm-hmm. or you know, it's it's always that. But they have not convinced me that this character would act this way in any way, shape, or form whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I mean, at this point, she had already chosen Michaela over
0: Jordan, right? And she's up on the dais already, and she's being interviewed. If it's because she wants to be famous, fine. There's nothing about her that should make us think that she would want to exclude Michaela from any of this. Why not say, the Tragedy Girls, you know, the blog that you run, that you're, the whole reason you're doing this, why would you... Let them get the name of that blog wrong. What do you gain from that? <laughs> it's so fucking ridiculous. And it doesn't make any sense and it is so incredibly forced.
1: And then later she just fully admits it. She's talking to Michaela, and Michaela's mad at her, and she's just like, Is this about the tragedy girl thing? I saw you up there on that podium. What are you, jelly? I am so not jelly.
0: Is this about the tragedy girl thing?
1: Why wouldn't it
0: be? Yes. What do
1: you mean is that what this is about?
0: Yes, it's so dumb. Yes. And she and Michaela commits the I mean this
1: is when the plot just becomes totally contrived. Yeah.
0: And Michaela quits the prom planning committee. And by the way, they're making giant silver stars, which are a reference to what was hanging from the ceiling in Carrie. hmm It's not the only Carrie reference, just you wait. Fuck these stupid.
1: Yeah. So Michaela basically says, you know, you and your ratchet ass trailer all you do is hold me back because Sadie is like poor and Michaela is like right. rich.
0: Right. Sadie has Sadie lives in a mobile home with her single father. And they seem to be ha- have a, a pleasant, trusting relationship, but they don't really interact that much. Meanwhile, Michaela, like, comes from the perfect home, and she's rich, and she her parents are super fucking supportive, and, you know, they have completely different home lives.
1: And this confuses me as well. I know it's a really small part, and they don't even talk about it at all. They act like the perfect kid to their parents, and it seems like they genuinely love their parents, But psychotic people don't love their parents. Psychotic people don't love anybody. Right. Which is also why their friendship is completely tenuous. And if they were real people, they would probably end up killing each other eventually anyway.
0: Yeah, probably. But But, that's whatever.
1: But, like, why do they have so much love for their parents?
0: I don't know. Because it makes them more likable? But then they're total assholes to their teachers.
1: Yeah, they're total assholes to everybody. To every single person. But that also makes it really curious to me. Like, why do they even have any interest in boys? Yeah. But, I mean, I kind of, I felt that way, like, when I watched Dexter, I was always just like, why does he want to fall into love? I don't imagine this person needs love. Yeah. And you would always be like, sex is different. And I'd be like, yeah, he, like, loves his wife.
0: Anyway, so So, cut to prom.
1: Basically, yeah, Michaela, I don't know what the fuck she's doing But, oh, it's kind of cute The dad's like, I don't believe any of these stupid boys wouldn't ask you I mean, why are they so scared of a beautiful girl? I know,
0: know. it's so adorable It's so
1: sweet It's
0: really, really cute It's (laughs)
1: really because your daughter's a psychopath Yeah And then meanwhile, Sadie is going with Jordan And when Jordan comes to pick her up The father, Sadie's father, just stands there and stares at him. It's kind of like in a Goofy movie. Yes. (laughs) Is Roxanne here? Does Roxanne live on this block?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Is Roxanne home? Oh, well, my name is Max. Does Roxanne live here? Does she even live on this block?
1: (laughs) And he kind of has that same thing. He's like... Once in middle school, you told me to stay away from your daughter. <laughs> and the guy just stands there. And he's just like,
0: can I see Sadie? Please? And he's really cute, too. And like, you know, uh, Sadie heated up leftovers for him to eat. And, he, and when she gets home, he thanks her for doing that for him. Like, yeah, they don't have like a spectacular life, but they're, ev- all these parent kid relationships are really great. Except the kids just fucking suck. It just kind of makes you hate the kids more. Mhm. Anyway, so it's keep in mind it's been a week at least, maybe a couple weeks since this stuff went down and Michaela and Sadie have not been interacting whatsoever and Michaela hasn't been saying that to her parents. She's been lying to her parents about that. They say she says they're going to prom together when really Sadie's going with Jordan. And
1: meanwhile, Sadie has completely changed her entire attitude. Yes. The teacher now loves her. The teacher, like, put her up for a scholarship. Oh, uh, we have
0: a whole montage going on.
1: Yeah. And, like, Sadie almost seems convinced, like, hey, I could really do a lot with this persona than, more than I could do with Tragedy Girl's persona. Yeah. But they're also showing us, like, when she's making out with Jordan, she's bored. When she's there and all these girls like her, she's really uncomfortable because she doesn't like them. Yeah. You know? And I can understand that. Yeah, but
0: it's a little relatable.
1: It's I t- I kind of get it, but then at the same time, it's just like
0: you're you're basically telling us that she's really good at being a good person, and things would really work out for her. But well, we'll get there. So, but my point is, my point is, it's been weeks. Jordan and Sadie are dating. There is a scene later on at the prom where Jordan apologizes for what he said about Michaela and how he was wrong about her and how she wasn't really the killer. It's been fucking weeks and they've never had this discussion. Why not? Like, this is what I'm talking about when they force the movie to do the things that they want it to do. And it doesn't make any narrative or logical sense. Because of shit like that, where it's like, well, we need them to have this conversation, but we need it to happen at the prom, so I guess they just have a month-long relationship that nothing happens, and they never have this conversation, and it comes up randomly for no reason.
1: Meanwhile, at prom, Sadie gets prom queen, and Jordan Jordan gets gets prom prom King, king,
0: and they have their first dance. And
1: it's really odd, because it's called A Night to Remember, And the theme is the Titanic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Which I guess is supposed to be funny. I think it's
1: supposed to be funny. It is. But it's very strange. Yeah. (laughs) And it just more just doesn't make sense. Meanwhile, while Sadie gets prom queen, the teacher steps out to have a cigarette. And Michaela shows up, as does Lowell.
0: This is where we find out, because we haven't said this, but Michaela and Lowell are...
1: Working together Working together, yes. And... um, The teacher's like, Jesus Christ, Michaela. like, oh Uh my God, what's happening? Like, she had no idea Uh that she might be that crazy. And Michaela goes, please raise your hand if you have something to say, Mrs. Kent, and then like kills her. And I'm just like, God, I hate you. Yeah. God, I hate you so much. Like, I know I'm a teacher and I know that I'm like on teacher sides, but it's just like, I feel like there
0: is no excuse for a for a, a kid acting that way. Like you will never find me on the side of the student that's the total bitch to the teachers for no good reason. <laughs> Like, I understand if you have a villainous teacher, but this isn't a villainous teacher. It was like, she said, somebody died. Could you guys get off your fucking phones? Mm -hmm. Like, show some fucking respect. And we're supposed to be on their side, Mm -hmm. not the teachers? I know we can't get off this subject, but now the teacher's going to die. I feel like the
1: writers hated their high school teachers. And
0: that's why I'm saying it feels like something that was written by somebody right out of high school. (laughs) And this is the movie that they've always wanted to make. And then when they got the resources together, they made it. Like, that's what it feels like. It feels like that shitty script that you wrote. Because there are tons of people out there who have done it. And I think there are tons of people that would be embarrassed by what they wrote and are glad they never made it. Well, these people did. I don't know if that's the actual story. I know that there, were, that there was an original script that existed first and then they changed it. But still, that's what it kind of feels like. Anyway, the teacher is... Dead And Michaela tracks down Sadie, pulls her aside. Jordan goes looking for her and ends up stumbling upon them and listening to their conversation. And Michaela and Sadie are arguing with each other. And this is where... Michaela talks about how they decided together the whole reason this all got started was because when they were little fucking kids and Jordan's mom was driving them home from dance, which doesn't explain is Jordan's mom the dance instructor? Does Jordan have a sister we've never met? Like, why is it that Jordan's mom is driving these two girls home from dance practice? Never explained. And these two, like six year old girls or whatever I think they're supposed to be more like eight, doesn't matter decide they want to just kill her and they're, I, they're I, never given a reason why I they actually, just decide it.
1: based on what they say it sounds like it was purely Sadie who grabbed the wheel and turned them into something to get her hit and killed yeah. do you remember our first time? okay, don't don't what? I mean, it was your plan after all Coral Beck didn't even see it coming. One minute, she's driving two girls home from dance practice and the next, she's lying in a ditch. Poor Mrs. Welsh. It was an accident. An accident? Is that what you tell yourself? Because we both wanted it. But no, you were the one. It was cold as ice. Why they walked away unscathed. Right.
0: They were in the car too, so why weren't they hurt? Yeah. Yeah. Never Um, explained.
1: But Michaela is explaining how she cried all day the next day because she was worried that she would tell the cops what happened Mm -hmm. and get her best friend in trouble. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with the death. It has nothing to do with the murder. She was just worried about getting her friend in trouble. But again,
0: but again- Weren't we told that Michaela's the real killer and that Sadie just wants to do it for popularity? So why under this scenario is Sadie the one that does the killing and it has nothing to do with popularity and Michaela's the one that feels guilty and like she's going to give up the ghost?
1: That's why earlier I said I think it's more that Michaela is the unstable one. Yeah. Whereas Sadie is better at lying. Clearly fucking define
0: your characters, people.
1: I agree. It's not well defined at all.
0: Also, I said give up the ghost. To give up the ghost is to die. Anyway, <laughs> so Jordan leaps out and is like, Sadie, come. She's the, She turns out she is the killer and tries to get away with her. And they get stopped by Lowell and Michaela. Lowell attacks them, but Michaela stops him. And is like, hey, Sadie is off limits. Mm-hmm. You know this. Hey,
1: Michael Myers knockoff. I told you she's off limits.
0: And there's this kind of the moment where Sadie's like, aw.
1: Yeah, and that's when Lowell <laughs> tries to attack her, and she's like, stay away from her. And she ends up shooting the guy. And it's really cute, because uh, Sadie turns to Michaela, and she's like, I missed you so much. And Michaela goes, shut up, I missed you so much. I missed you so much. Shut up, I missed you so much. It's such.
0: It's a cute moment. It's
1: totally like anybody who's a girl and has mm-hmm. a girl best friend, this is exactly how we But end. it's <laughs> But it's a
0: character swerve that just wasn't earned. I agree. Anyway, the characterization
1: is all over the place. And I feel like the writers thought, who cares? These are crazy people. But it's like, it's a movie. You don't just get people that make random weird decisions. Does that happen in real life? Yes. But in a film, your audience needs to understand where they're coming from.
0: Yeah, totally. And so Michaela just shot Lowell dead. And Michaela and Sadie just reunited. And they kill Jordan together. They hang him from the ropes because they're in, like, the rafters at in the theater or something. And
1: like they that. have, like, a, a moment where basically Sadie's like, you just heard, like, I killed your mom. And he's just like, it doesn't matter. I know it's Michaela that's been behind everything. Like, uh-huh. I'm in love with you. I know the real you. And that's when Sadie goes, you don't know me at all. Uh-huh. And that's when they kill him. Yeah, the problem
0: is the audience doesn't know it at all either. Yep. Anyway, then they lock all the doors.
1: Before they, before this, they're dancing around in the oh, hallways. Oh, God, yeah,
0: this really obnoxious, like, aren't we insane? <laughs> we are sexy insane girls. <laughs> and it's so obnoxious and heavy-handed, and it's so obvious what they're trying to do. Yes. You know, all those shots where you get the person in the mask, and then they tilt their head for no fucking reason, and you're like.
1: And, okay, I'm willing to admit that I actually liked the first perch. I actually yeah. liked it and I didn't mind I
0: kind of ironically like the rest of them. They're fun. I I think so. Eventually we'll do the purse. You don't, we'll have, do to, Purge you don't have to agree with me. It's but okay. anyway
1: I'm not afraid to admit that the first time I saw The Purge and they had the masks on, they were doing this exact same thing. Uh I was like, ah, that's kind of interesting, kind of unique, kind of new.
0: And then that became the whole personality of the franchise. Yes. And
1: And now we have Tragedy Girls that's just taking that straight out of the movie.
0: Also, why are they even bothering to wear masks? Everyone knows their hair. Everyone knows their dresses. What are the masks about? Are they really insane? Because they don't. I mean, they don't really act insane. They just act sociopathic, yeah. you know. Like they just don't care about people and they can't empathize with other people's existences. So I
1: realize that we go back and forth using sociopathic and, and insane. Psychopathic there, there, there is and definitely insane. a difference. There are differences to all of them, but we're not medical people.
0: No, <laughs> but, but, I mean, most of what people talk about is actually sociopathy. It's that sensation that that a person cannot understand that other people actually exist and have motivations similar to them. Like, they can't relate to that. They see other people as things, as characters in their own story. That's an element of sociopathy. But anyway, they lock all the doors, they dance through the halls, and then they set the dance on fire, killing everyone.
1: This is not an homage. It's just ripping it off.
0: I guess. It rips. It it rips. It's a bad homage, I think.
1: I guess. To
0: Carrie, where everyone dies in the fire at the prom, and for whatever reason, Lowell, who is in the fire and has a bullet wound in his head, is blamed for it. What the fuck?
1: Yeah, they never explain it. And
0: so, and the only two survivors are Sadie and Michaela, miraculously. You know the tragedy girls. The ones that always manage to be in the place where all these killings happen. And they never talk about that. They never address that. And I'm kind of fine with the whole like, what about the DNA evidence? What about the fingerprints? It's like, listen, this isn't that kind of story. (laughs) I get that. But now it's like beyond the pale at this point. How every kid in the whole entire school dies except for these two. They blame it on a guy with a bullet wound in his head who also died in the fire. No, beyond the pale. I cannot accept this as reasonable anymore. And Welch, the sheriff, Jordan's dad, resigns because his kid died. He couldn't do anything to protect the city. He decides to start a charity in his son's name. And then Michaela and Sadie go to college.
1: Yeah, Sadie got a full scholarship as a filmmaker. They put on their last video. They're like hashtag blessed when they when they're done. They're like we did good. And yeah of that's the end of the movie.
0: Yep. Lightning round, Kelsey.
1: I don't have a whole lot.
0: I can go through a couple of things. There's a line, I don't know how we're going to become horror legends without an iconic killer. I feel like that iconic killer could have been a little bit more iconic. Like you said, he's just totally a pastiche of other killers.
1: But I think that's the joke. Yeah. That's the joke. And they, they realize that very quickly. Like, you're... A pathetic piece of shit.
0: We talked about the tributes to other horror movies, uh, Halloween, Friday the 13th, Carrie, the Hannibal series, all of those. But there's also more name references in this one as well. Brianna Hildebrand, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, plays Sadie Cunningham after Sean Cunningham, the guy who created Friday the 13th. Alexandra Ships, who is Storm, who plays Michaela Hooper is named after Toby Hooper, obviously from Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Poltergeist fame, and her ex-boyfriend is named Toby, Hmm. Not spelled the same way, but probably also a reference to that. So if you want to make a movie that references other movies, the fucking laziest way you can do it, even with Night of the Creeps. I was
1: going to say, Night of the Creeps did that.
0: Yes, but I'm saying Night of the Creeps did that and more. (laughs) This is kind of like, this is the caliber of... Of reference, of homage that we're getting here. It's it's just the names. You know, it's it's just.
1: And just straight ripping off yeah, scenes.
0: outright saying things. Yeah, or yeah, just doing the scenes over again. <laughs> uh huh.
1: At one point, Jordan says uh, she can just say that she was with me watching a Dario Argento movie. And it's kind of funny. Michaela's just like, uh, she keeps messing up Daria Dario Argento's, Argento's name. Yeah, uh-huh. And that was kind of clever.
0: I wrote down, I don't buy this face turn at all, especially since it started with a heel move with Tragedy Girl. Like, so here's the thing. I'm going to use wrestling storytelling tropes, right? So there's a face turn and there's a heel turn. A face turn is where a bad guy becomes a good guy. A heel turn is where a good guy becomes a bad guy. And usually a good guy makes a heel turn by breaking the rules somehow, doing something bad in the middle of a match in order to win. Basically cheating, right? And a face turn could be the opposite of that. A guy who's traditionally bad, who refuses to take advantage of an opportunity to cheat, and instead either wins or loses, but does it clean. That's a whole wrestling trope. It's existed as long as wrestling has. To put this story into the same terms, Sadie made a face turn to a good guy character from a bad guy character by doing a heel-turn maneuver, betraying her friend.
1: <laughs>
0: it does not make any consistent sense. <laughs> there is a, a logical inconsistency with the story and the way they're telling the story that I don't think they know how to communicate.
1: But I feel like they thought they were being clever
0: yeah. and unique. But I mean it it only goes to show even more so how they just need the plot to do a certain thing, so they just do it, and they're not concerned at all with whether or not they've earned it or how they're gonna get there. They just it just happens. If you'll watch the last season of Game of Thrones, you might have similar feelings about D&D. <laughs> D and D, DB Vice and David Benioff.
1: I've got a couple other things. I think that's, I think I'm good. I, think I got I'm
0: a, I got a few things uh, really quick. There's way too much texting in this movie for that really shitty texting interface that they have where the text is all super fucking tiny and it's white on like pink and stuff like that. So it's like really hard to read way too much texting going on for the love of God. There are tons of examples of really good methods to show texting on a screen And there are tons of really bad ones. There's no excuse anymore for having a bad one. Come on. Also, I wrote down, seriously, they did kill Jordan's mom. Nobody even mentioned they were with her when they were talking about how Jordan's mom died. Nobody was like, oh, yeah, you guys obviously know because you were in the car with her. Like, nothing. It's not until the very end where it's revealed that they killed her that it's even remotely hinted at that they happened to be in the car at the same time.
1: Well, it also just makes zero sense as to why they weren't hurt.
0: Yeah. (laughs) They they don't even say at any point. (laughs) There's no logic. They don't even say at any point when talking to Jordan, like, I really liked your mom. I remember her always taking us home from dance practice. Like, even something as minor as that. Like, how nobody gave these guys notes of things like this, I don't know. (laughs) Probably because a lot of it's independently made. I don't... uh... Really, a sequel setup I wrote because they're going to college. hmm Finally, I wrote, God, I hate this. Chickopedia was right in that it ends so poorly. Yeah. The last quarter of the movie, as Chickopedia says, is just – it's not good. I wasn't a big fan of the rest of it, although there was a lot to really enjoy.
1: There's a lot of fun – funny moments and like I said I actually think the actresses do a fantastic job it's not their fault that the characters are just so abysmal and you hate yeah. them so much that's mm-hmm. not their fault they played them exactly as they should have I, I totally believed their, their acting yeah it's just unfortunately I couldn't stand the people they were acting as yeah
0: alright Kelsey what do you think it gone on Rotten Tomatoes
1: 36
0: try 82 Tragedy Girls injects familiar teen tropes with just enough up-to-the-minute commentary and pitch-black humor to work as an irreverently entertaining diversion. Here's the thing, here's the thing, though. 82% Rotten Tomatoes. As we all know, that's just a breakdown of the percentage of reviewers who had an overall positive outlook on the movie versus overall negative. The Metacritic, which actually averages out scores, is 58 so it shows you that a lot of people I walked or walked away with and, I mean, I guess I liked it, <laughs> but they didn't like it a whole lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Obviously overrated, though. Yeah. What would you give it?
1: I knew I was going low, but Jesus.
0: It doesn't belong anywhere near the 80s. No, um, not even close. I mean, it got a better Rotten Tomatoes score than Night of the Creeps.
1: That's insane.
0: By almost 10 whole points. That's so unfair. Yeah.
1: I would give it... I'll just give it a 50.
0: Really? You're going that high, huh?
1: I don't think I hated it. I just really disliked it.
0: Well, see, that's the thing is I I think I would be one of those people that came away with an overall negative outlook. I Like you say, I didn't hate it. But I can't say that I would recommend it. No. Or if somebody was like, did you like it? I would say, not really.
1: Right. But... We just talked about it all, and that reminded me of all the times that it really did make me laugh.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, there were enough laughs in it, and I... I like 80s colors. I like 80s synth music. But again, it, it it's like
0: it knew it had to do something with those transitions. Yes. And and all of that. It just executed so fucking poorly on it. Yes. It's 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 boring and it lacks any sort of vibrancy, which is what that's all about. If you think of the intro to Save by the Bell, right? With those shapes and that's those 90s. colors <laughs> and those and and the rock, it's early nineties. <laughs> like that's kind of what we're going for here and we don't get that sensation at all.
1: I also really liked the soundtrack.
0: I didn't I wasn't even thinking about the soundtrack at all. I enjoyed the soundtrack, so. So I would give it like a 45 at the highest, I think. You gave it a 50. Mhm. All right. And that is 2017's Tragedy Girls thus ending our formal dance week here on Pod Cemetery. But Kelsey, what are we watching next week?
1: All right, so we just did prom. The next big thing on the list is graduation.
0: Yeah, end of the year. End
1: of the school year. We thought we'd do some foreign horror movies this time. Yes. So the first movie we're going to watch is from the 90s, and it is a Spanish film. It is from Spain, and it is called Thesis.
0: Or Tesis? Tesis?
1: The Spanish version. Yeah, uh uh-huh. And the new movie is from Brazil and Argentina, mm-hmm. and it is called "Kill Me Please" or In
0: Portuguese "Mate-me por favor."
1: Mate-me por favor.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Really excited about that one. Unfortunately, that means not going to be a lot of clips
1: from the it, movies. Well, there's going to be none.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, we In the past, we've done foreign films, we've done silent films, and that just means it's not going to be as many clips, but we think it's a great opportunity to really... Expose ourselves and our audience to stuff outside of the traditional, like, Western zeitgeist. Yeah, we we
1: don't do a lot of foreign films, and it is a bummer. It does mean that we don't have clips for them, but I've been really interested in seeing both of these movies for a while. Mm
0: -hmm. And they look fun. Yeah. They look really interesting.
1: Thesis is about a woman who is writing her thesis. (laughs) Uh Her thesis is going to be about violence, and she discovers a snuff video... And she wants to find out who's behind it.
0: And then Kill Me Please is about a young woman who has decided she wants to die.
1: I think. So be
0: prepared for that. I uh,
1: think. I'm not totally positive because when I looked it up the other day, it didn't seem like that was it. It, se- it, it They called it a morbid curiosity. So yeah, she's yeah. interested in who the serial killer is.
0: And so she's trying to like find out who the serial killer is and interact with them. Yes. Again, we haven't seen either of these yet. No.
1: So we have no idea if they're good or not. And they were kind
0: of hard to find.
1: Thesis is really hard to find. Kill Me Please is on YouTube.
0: Yeah, you can pay for it on YouTube. Otherwise, it's available nowhere else. All right. Until then, guys, you can always reach us at podcemetery.com. You can email us at podcemetery at gmail.com. Please do follow us on Twitter, at Pod Cemetery because seriously, we add a lot of stuff as we're editing that dives deeper into the stuff that we, that we talk about in some fun gifs or videos. I'll usually add references to things that we forgot to mention. After finishing Night of the Creeps, we ended up watching a behind-the-scenes documentary on the making of night of the creeps which was really interesting so we're going to put up a lot of the stuff that we learned there that we didn't talk about earlier in this episode on twitter so please do follow us there don't forget to rate and review in your podcatcher of choice five star written reviews obviously are the best thing you can do for us there share us with your friends thank you very much for those of you that have done that and thank you all for listening in the first place we love every single one of you until next time, I've been Chris.
1: I've been Kelsey. And this has
0: been Pod Cemetery. Before we go, Kelsey, do you have any last words?
1: Corpses that have been dead for 27 years do not get up and go for a walk by themselves. I don't want
0: to be in I don't want to live my life. To the sacred place This ain't a dream I can't escape Moulding some fangs To her picking up bones Spirit's morning Among the two stones. Golden brown Texture like sun Lay me down With my man she runs Did you clean Throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown with golden brown.
1: Did you ever clean the cat box?
0: I did this morning, in fact.
1: Oh, thanks, baby. You're
0: welcome. Never a, never a frown with golden brown. Uh, and
1: I think Chris didn't figure out that it was a dream. You never realize
0: what it's supposed to be a dream. Well, especially when they're weird movies already. And you looked know? at
1: me and you were like, did his clothes just change?
0: <laughs> did I? I don't remember that at all. Yeah. I don't remember that at all.
1: Yeah. And, and they say, I think we could safely say it's not Walt Disney.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything in there that you want to quote?
1: So many things.
0: These that are designed to be operated on for medical students. Designed. Uh, I guess set aside for selected, <laughs> selec- select selected,
1: and we know this guy.
0: Yeah, he's the blob from.
1: Oh, where are you talking about? Yeah, I'm uh-huh. sorry. And uh, he says, "I'm gonna skull fuck you guys when I uh, when I get out of this," which always makes me think of. I don't think you've ever seen it, a movie called Smiley Face, and it's about a it's about the girl, the main girl from Scary Movie. Yeah, you, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, she's, She just gets really, really baked one day, like, really super stoned. And, like, one of her friends thinks her roommate is a skull fucker. Okay. And so, like, there's this whole sequence, and it's the guy from that 70s show with the curly hair. Yeah. <laughs> there's this whole sequence where he's, like, pretending to fuck a skull because, they, they, you know, it's imagination, and they think that he's a skull fucker. So every time I hear that, I think of that movie. Cool. Anyway, <laughs> either Sylvia or Sybil.
0: Sybil? Shorten? Mm-hmm. You'd shorten it to Syl? Mm-hmm. Hmm, okay. But it's probably Sylvia. But anyway. That's not how it works. Yes, it is. And Jason doesn't really use a machete that much, to be honest. It's like in three a lot and a little bit in two. It's three.
1: Of the series, once eh. he gets it, that's all he uses for the rest of the series. I think he gets it in three. He
0: kills people with bow and arrow. He kills people in the people first with... two. Yeah, in the
1: first two movies, and then three through whatever a million. He has a fucking <laughs> machete.
0: Whatever a million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the weapon you use is not the only thing that makes you who you are.
1: When you put Jason next to next to Mike Myers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what's the difference? Mike Myers. And him, both wear a mask. Both of them are tall, lurking dudes who just walk slowly after you. Michael Myers is
0: taller, I think.
1: Semantics.
0: Jason is bigger.
1: What is the big difference? Which is why I hated the end of the season and why we never kept watching it. Was that season four?
0: Season four. Season four ends with dying.
1: Spoilers.
0: Okay, I'll take it out. (laughs) Ha <laughs>